0: Hey, you have found the first episode of the I'm Not an Expert gaming podcast, where me and some other non-experts are going to act like experts on games for your amusement. This week we're talking about Persona 4, and yes, this discussion does have heavy, heavy spoilers for this game. So, if you haven't played this game all the way through, be sure to go play it, because it is worth it, and come back when you're done. Okay, here's the show. here you're at the first episode of insert title here or <laughs> whatever we end up calling the show or the working title right now is uh island of misfit games which might actually end up being the title in which case uh i am very sorry i'm also uh barry donnelly and i'm here with clay jackson hey guys and we're here to talk about video games uh, not just uh, any video games, we're going to talk about video games we really like. We're going to talk about one of my favorite games, and uh, a, a, a game Clay just sort just of beat for the first time. How many weeks ago?
1: Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to be honest, I, uh, you first introduced the game to me, and I played it, uh, I started playing it about two months ago. And I just became so obsessed with it, I replayed it three, three and a half times now that's just in that short span of time plays
0: a machine yeah so this episode <laughs> our first episode we're going to talk about persona 4 uh that is in keeping with the theme uh of the podcast which isn't just isn't just a video games it's a, a theme of uh picking games that we think don't get enough attention and this is this it's funny because this is a a, a, a game in a, a sort of essentially a sub series within a sub series that is actually the most commercially successful of that franchise and it's a huge franchise Uh, But it's the one people have heard of. It's the game of the series that I played first, and I still think is criminally under, not so much underrated. I think everyone agrees, the critical consensus is that this game is very good, but it's an underplayed game relative to how good it is, Uh, and there's reasons for that, and we'll go into that too. So what we do in the show is we're going to talk our way through all the things that you put together to make the game unique and make it interesting what we want to do is we want to talk about games that deserve an in-depth discussion but perhaps don't have enough of it so this like in the first episode here we're going to talk about persona 4 Uh, in the future we'll talk about sometimes it'll be something that's a little older uh, that hasn't been talked about in a while or it could be something that's relatively recent but it's one of the many many uh, great indie titles in the indie boom that we're living through right now that just probably are not getting the uh, the the hype or the attention to detail that these games really do deserve, uh, and this is in part kind of a reaction against the uh, the idea that games aren't really valuable um, valuable art. And I say that art not just in this um, oh well it's very nice and and we can have fancy games with high concepts, but even quote mainstream basic video games um, are worth the kinds of time and attention to detail that any other text whether it's in an english department or a film department uh is worth talking about i i don't think that sometimes when people talk about oh well if you like a really good comic books you should read the following graphic novels and they'd like name alan moore stuff and as much as i love alan moore like he is not like the only good like it is i feel like sometimes there are if an art form starts to get noticed by some people, it's only these certain kinds of expression within that art form. And I don't think video games have even reached that point. I mean, can you, Clyde, can you think of, like, a video game that, you know, would make a film critic be like, well, this is actually a really good version of visual storytelling, or do you think that it, games, despite being so popular, are still off the critical radar?
1: Uh, no examples come to mind,
0: Barry. yeah. So so before we get into Persona 4 We should at the very least say who we are And, and what, we're, what we do and what we want um, I'll, I will start with myself uh, Like I said earlier My name is Barry Donnelly And I run another podcast about tea uh, That is probably never going to come up again Because I can't imagine uh, tea coming up But it's an in-depth tea community Tea industry podcast That's like the other thing that I really am into Is tea So I, if you want to hear me talk for Hours and hours and hours about tea. Uh, you can find that that out at hotleafjuice.org Other than that, you know, I like to play games with a kind of attention to um, to difficulty and to what makes a game a really good gaming experience. Uh, so I don't play a lot of games, but when I do play a game, I really play it to death. Um, yeah, that's and I, I tend to play RPGs. I tend to also I like I like to play fighting games. Fighting games don't like me. Because uh, I'm really, really awful at them. Really awful. I can vouch for that. Yeah, uh, Clay. Uh, who the hell are you? <laughs> uh, I'm someone who enjoys
1: role-playing games as well as well as the fighting games. Really, I'd play any game as long as it's good. I as long as it's you know one of the higher end games, I'll play it and I will replay it and replay it again probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. Clay is really good at. Like platinuming games in a way that I have never ever been into. Clay will will you're, you're so you have such a good attention to detail. You you're able to to find all those little trophies and all those little ending every ending to every game. I mean, it's been two months and you've played Persona Four three or four times now. Like you're lapping me, dude. And I played this game two years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's just something I do. I like to get my money's worth. I like to see every line of dialogue, every cutscene I can see. Just, I really love to just dig into a game.
0: Cool. Well, uh, now that you know who we are uh, and uh, if you're still with us, you know, now that you know who we are, let's just talk about Persona 4 because, man, I am dying to... This is one of those games that you finish and I, you feel a genuine... Not to talk about the ending because we will not talk about the ending right the second but You just feel sad if for no other reason than it's over. And it's not so much that... When I finished the game for the first time, I didn't just feel sad because I was sad that the game was done. I was more sad that you, the main character, was saying goodbye to his friends. And I thought, oh god, he's going back to whatever life he had before, which you don't know anything about. It must be terrible because... He probably didn't have friends. This is probably his arc as a as a protagonist is to learn to is to learn about the power of friendship uh, through meeting these these cool kids in this small town, and he's got to go. He's leaving, and uh, that's just uh, and uh, then I knew that I wouldn't see them again for a while. And I was like, shit, there's no more new 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 scenes with Chie and Yukiko and Kanji. I don't care much for Yosuke, but you know it's. it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about that. Uh, yeah. So, Clay, what was your like when you find when you beat the when you finally when you finally beat it like after you were sort of done making your first through way way through like what was what was your feeling like what was your like sort of feeling about the game did you want to like immediately talk I think you immediately texted me right you you wanted to talk about it too
1: oh yeah I wanted to I mean granted when I called you I thought I had gotten the perfect ending and I didn't. <clears throat> So, um, yeah, when I called you that one time, I had a little bit more to go. Uh, Now that I'm caught up, uh, yeah, let's talk about the ending. In the end, I felt a lot of the same feelings you did, you know? And I just had to replay it again right away. Like, I'm always replaying games, but I never play it, replay one back-to-back like that. Because I just got so attached to these characters. They just drilled their way into my heart in a way that very few other games have. Persona
0: 4 is the Yu Yu Hakusho of JRPGs. (laughs) No, seriously, because the strength of that series is on its pacing and on how every single character at every point is really good.
1: Yeah, and that's what made Persona 4 great for me.
0: In a way, the
1: storyline, like the murder mystery portion of it, that almost came secondary to just getting to know these people. Did you get spoiled? uh a little bit now uh we are going to have like uh like this isn't going to be a spoiler free podcast Uh, yeah no i think this
0: game has been out since yeah okay so this this whole episode is is free range spoilers if you haven't completed this game uh listen to another episode or go play persona 4 uh i promise you it will be a good use of your time uh i swear definitely so uh the whole yeah 10 out of 10 it's a yeah this is like the definition of a 10 out of 10 game for me uh total record this is not like a recommendation kind of a podcast where this game has been out for for almost nine years now so i'm not super concerned about oh is it a is it a 9 out of 10 or a 9.5 out of 10 like i just want to think about it like if i had to if i had to write a phd thesis about what makes like for this game good how would i how would i how would i Create the curriculum for that class, right? How would, how would we reflect on a game experience after it's done? So yeah, so there are going to be spoilers from here on out. So Adachi is the killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <clears throat> All right, so uh, let's dig in uh, with the battle system first off.
0: Yeah. Uh, the. The battle system in this game is so. Geez, actually, you know, before we do that, I almost feel like we need to. One thing I've noticed is that I think this is a hard series to explain to people, particularly like particularly, it's a hard game to explain what you do. They say, "Well, what do you do in this game?" And well, really, you do like four things, and they're all very, <laughs> they're all very, very different. So before we get into the dungeon crawling, I think we should just talk about the way the game is structured within itself, what are the different kinds of things you do, and we'll get to the battle system, but I think we should just say that this is a game that is at the same time a visual novel-like, real-life simulator, dating sim, part-time job sim, life sort of personal life simulator for your main character in this small town. And at the same time it is a procedurally generated dungeon crawling turn based RPG. Where the combat is based around a Pokemon <laughs> It's already like it's already sounding too long to me, right? Like and the, that combat is surrounded by this Pokemon like acquisition of different demons or monsters that have different skills just like pokemon has uh and there's a whole world of personal personal relationships you have with npcs so when you talk to an npc on a different day they'll be at a different spot you know sometimes chie, chie is at the, is at the roof of the high school because it's sunny but if it's raining she's in the classroom and you can't hang out with her that day she's not in the mood right uh and so different days different npcs or party members you have a different kind of conversation with them, and your relationship has points, and that is directly tied into how well you can control the Pokemon monsters, which affects your ability to do the dungeons, which affects your ability to solve the mystery in the small town, where you happen to be simulating your life, and you have to be in bed by a certain hour, and you get your driver's license to drive, drive a scooter around, and take the take the bus to places after school, right? Like it's all of these things at the same time did I forget anything? um no I don't think so yeah <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> so and I think that's been the big problem that this series has had up until this point There's, I think the series has had two Persona and SMT games by extension have kind of had these two big problems with reaching a big audience and that is that these games are hard to explain and they're even harder to sell uh they just, I guess you could say it's it's like a, it's like if, 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 if a contemporary high school anime was a series was it was, was a game. And on the other hand, these games have unfortunately never been out for the hot system at the right time, with the exception of Persona 5, which just came out a week ago as we record this and I had to tear myself away from Persona 5 to prepare for this podcast and to record this. Uh, So it's a combination of the fact that this game came out, the other games in the series too came out for the PS2 in late in the PS2's life Persona 4 came out in 2008 where a lot of people had PS3s at that point. I mean that was two years after the PS3 came out, right? And then Persona 3 came out the same year as the Playstation 3 so people started to put their old systems away and it became just an, another niche title. So uh, it, within that is the battle system, right? So within that is everything. And uh, it's it's a game that... What, what I like about the social aspect of it is that it's a game that is perfectly designed to have amazing characters. Because you get to have one-on-one time with them and group time with them and battle... Battle time and, and major major uh, major plotline time with them as well. You get you get to meet Yukiko and Kanji and Teddy in all these different layers, all these different contexts, and you really get a better sense of who they are as characters. And the writing is designed around that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And what uh, what I think is so awesome about it is that the more you get to know them the better they become in battle. So there's just so many good, you know, strategic advantages to, you know, seeking out these dialogues.
0: Yeah, and sometimes, like, it's not just their stats, too. They don't just get stat boosts. Like, there's a lot of... This battle system in this game has a lot of... Knockdown you know there's a lot of there's a whole knockdown system where if you or your or your enemy is knocked down, you get an extra attack because you use their weakness. So the games the battle has a lot of like highs and lows where if you do well you could get to be on a roll and the battle can be over really quickly. But if that happens for the enemy, you are you go from being a seemingly well prepared party to dead to total game over screen uh, pretty quickly. And that's just true. Of the entire Shin Megami Tensei series as well. Like they all have these high penalties for getting hit with a weak. When they say it's something is your elemental weakness, they really mean it.
1: Yeah. So it's a great. I I always thought it was a very great and unique way to design the battle systems.
0: So when was the first time you played? The, was the first time you played this game at my house.
1: Uh yeah, actually, last November.
0: That's right. Yeah. So. How how was the? I mean, it's been a while for me. Like, what was the adjustment like for you? Like, figuring out what the heck the game was at, in the beginning. Uh,
1: it was, uh, as you know, Persona Four is one of those games that uh, takes a long time to really get into the meat of it, as well. It should be because there's a lot you need to learn, and you know, it paces itself accordingly. Um, and so yeah, during that first initial phase, I. There was some adapting and maybe like thinking, as eh, did Barry maybe oversell this to me?" <laughs> but um, it all it all started clicking pretty quickly once the tutorial was done and I actually got into the battle system and the social link system.
0: So, have you, so to uh, answer your
1: question, oh, sorry. Yeah, go you,
0: ahead. So, you, so, at this point, like, who have you not maxed out social link with? Who have you? Uh, who's been hard? Who's been a harder nut to crack?
1: Uh I've never maxed out everyone in one single playthrough. Like I I've gotten very close one time, but I, don't I think that's missed possible, it by like just actually. one. It's possible. It's definitely possible.
0: What um, about the band? Well hold on, what about your extracurriculars? How can you how can you do Yumi and Girl with Self Esteem issues in band? Can you be in two cultural clubs at the same time? I thought you couldn't.
1: Oh, oh, no, that's... I, I consider that one social link because they're both the Sun Arcana.
0: Okay. You are mm-hmm. right. But, you are right from a game mechanic's perspective. I see why you'd say that, yeah.
1: Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I have seen all the dialogue and everything from, uh, from everyone's social link, and... Obviously, they picked the main characters to give the interesting storylines, to. There are a couple of boring ones, such as uh, Naoto... Or, not Naoto. Um, uh, Naoki.
0: And the... Who was Naoki and again?
1: The, oh, you two... Uh, do you remember the second victim, Saki? It's her little brother.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that kid. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah, that kid just went through a, some trauma, but he was kind of a dick.
1: Yeah, and he... I mean he turns out nice and all that it's just i didn't find i I didn't find that storyline more interesting the meat of it like the good parts of it they were the main characters uh plus nanako and dojima
0: yeah and geez so let's let's yeah so speaking of nanako and dojima uh i don't think we've really explained the setting for this game very well um so the game so this game is set up like well
1: everyone's played it. I mean hopefully everyone who has uh, who is still listening to us uh has played the game by this point. And That's true.
0: That's that's true. People know what the heck's going on. You're you're absolutely right. My head's not necessarily in the in the in the right space. So You're all right. Y'all know all about Nanako and her dead mom and Dojima and his <laughs> his strange relationship with his seven-year-old daughter.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've talked a little bit about the battle system now. Um, you want to uh, dive into the actual characters now?
0: Yeah, I think maybe going you know, character by character uh, might be a good way of organizing this, because... Yeah. The characters are so integrated into the experience of this, not just the story, but of the game mechanics itself. Like like I was saying earlier, it's a, it's a game that is structurally designed to bring out the best and well-written characters. And they have gone out of their way to have amazingly written main cast and pretty solid supporting cast. I, I think I think uh, Persona Four has probably better supporting cast social links than Persona Three uh, does. Sometimes I roll my eyes at some of the things that they say in in, in <laughs> any of the games. But so the the first who's the first friend you meet? I guess it's I guess the first kid you meet's Yosuke.
1: Yeah, it would be Yosuke. Yosuke,
0: yeah, and as we were saying, off air, Yosuke is this interesting like archetype that keeps popping up in these games, where he's your, he's the he's demographically the most similar to you. He's your age. He's all that you have to play as a man in all these games, except for the portable, the PSP version of Persona Three, and uh, he's your same age. He's he's your same gender. He's your same age. He's in your class. He's your bro, man, and he's going to call and ask you, like, who do you like more, this girl or this girl, right? And he's going to have some some little harebrained scheme to go pick up chicks, and I, that guy exists in all these games, and I find, I don't know, Yosuke's not, Yosuke's fine. He's not my favorite.
1: He might be a little bit of a cliche, but there's something. there's also something very endearing about him, something that kind of just makes him stand out. And that is uh, that we actually get to see, you know, his suffering and right. that he in he believably works his way through it. Like you see so many of these characters who like go through a lot of stuff, but, you know, they're just like they're magically OK because I'm strong. But mm-hmm. you get you really get to see his struggle through his social link. That's and that's true. kind of what makes him stand out in my mind and what makes me
0: like him. It's definitely not like a fun social link because it's kind of like shit hits the fan kind of all the time. Most, I mean, most social links have drama in them, obviously. Um, and I think I think Yosuke works a lot better with Teddy, frankly. Like when Teddy <laughs> is able to come into the the, the 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 real world, I think he and Teddy play off each other really well because they're both going for the same role in the narrative, which is they're both kind of comic relief. Uh, young man, and I think that Teddy has f- f- is is l- not nearly as self-conscious as Yosuke, and that means that when they when Yosuke has some kind of plan to get girls' phone numbers, Teddy is a great accomplice for him because Teddy has both the naivete of not understanding what Yosuke is maybe talking about, or having the wisdom to tell him to take a hike. But then he'll do Yosuke's plan better than him. He will do a better job, or he'll take that that dumb idea to, I think, a more logical extreme. Because again, Teddy just has big, bare balls and is not scared of anything, except for ex- his existential angst and futility that he has about the fact that he is, exists alone in a in his own parallel universe. But that's it. That's in his 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 own social Lincoln story. On the outside, he's great. So I think that I think they work well together. I think that when it's just the main character and Yosuke, it's a little like But what about my senpai who died or everyone hates Juness but they love it? I don't know.
1: Yeah. So that's basically Yosuke in a nutshell. Yeah. Let's move on to Chie, just about everybody's favorite.
0: Chie. So at the end of the at the end of this show, we will we will have a discussion about who is best girl, and this is one of the hardest decisions to make in the game is in, in evaluating the game is to decide who is who's who's the best waifu cuz there are some damn good waifus in this game man like this is this is top tier waifu final bout <laughs> battle royale going on as to who's going to be the best waifu but Chie is 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 10 out of 10 waifu material for sure <laughs> right you know she has this she's introduced hold on yeah I hear that yeah. <laughs> I I live 22 stories above the, but I live downtown, so like there's just constantly cars and their motorcycles are loud. So okay, yeah, and Chie, you know, she's the, she has such a great personality in the sense that she is so out there with who she is. She's, I, I got, she's probably the most she's probably the most comfortable in her skin. Like if Kanji is probably the least secure emotionally of these characters I'd say Chie is the most emotionally secure in in her own identity I think Chie's conflict has to do with what do I do to be the best version of myself but at least she knows what version of herself she wants to be she's not concerned about big pictures but that kind of, that, at that level I think she's really confident in her personality but she just doesn't know what to do with her literal time on earth right that's kind of the gist I got from her social link
1: Hmm. Yeah, Chie is definitely one of the more lovable characters. Uh, more low on the drama end, but uh, always very spunky, always moving, always... Um, <laughs> well,
0: just always kicks. doing
1: something and talking about... Yeah, she kicks and she loves meat and kung fu movies. Just these little things about her... You know, she's just very open about what she loves. Right. And that's kind of... And uh, I'm kind of reminded of uh, of, uh quote uh, by Ron Swanson. Uh, he said once that uh, what you're passionate about is the most attractive thing about you. And I didn't really get what he meant by that, but when I look at Chie, I kind of see what he means, you know?
0: Wow, I didn't think we'd be bringing up Parks and Rec, but yeah, man, <laughs> yeah. let's get some of w- the wisdom of... of, of... The, the <laughs> towel of Ron Swanson uh, here, Sage, 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 Ron, man. Uh, yeah, uh, he's right though. He is right. And Uh, Chie, uh I, I see. I, I would be very interested to see. Uh, remember, I sent you that list of the Japanese poll for who was the bet, the who was their favorite character in like yeah. whatever magazine that was. And I don't know how scientific that poll was. Wasn't Chie really low? Uh,
1: actually, I think. If I'm remembering correctly, Chie was number two. If oh, we're geez. talking about the same list. are you the, talking one one you. the one I emailed you.
0: The one I emailed you. Yeah, the
1: one you emailed yesterday?
0: Yes. The only yeah. list of Persona 4 characters. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, in that case, yeah, I think she was number two. Okay. Uh, what was weird about that list to me was that Yosuke was number one. I and, that, yeah. I, like, I just told you, you know, Yosuke's great, but he's definitely not the best thing about the series.
0: I am surprised. I don't... I, I, yeah, I, I the reason I bring that up is because... I wonder if... Because Chie is also very much not a moe character. She's not a submissive woman. And there's a lot of Japanese media that even when you have a strong, strong female character, she usually is in some kind of a submissive or at least an emotionally vulnerable position as part of the plot. I'm thinking specifically of like a tsundere archetype, where you think this is a confident, or at least bitchy, uh, female character, but in reality, what the general dynamic of that of those stories is that the bitchy tsundere character has an emotionally vulnerable secret that the male main character is aware of, and even though that main male character might not overtly blackmail that tsundere character. Uh, the main male character is aware of that and that is what drives their relationship is she has the one, the one person in the world she is emotionally submissive to is your main character because we can't possibly have you know, emotionally strong and independent women uh, depicted in a lot of these in, in, in these games and I think that's a little bit of a cultural thing not that the west has this great squeaky clean uh, reputation for its depictions of women in, in media But I would be surprised, the reason I brought up that list is because I would be surprised to see Yukiye so high up. She seems like a character that's designed to appeal to, not just to Westerners, but to Western nerds. Because she loves the shit she loves so much, and I think that people who are 30 years old and are talking on the internet about how much they love a video game from 2008 about... About about living as a high school student <laughs> in a, in an anime setting in Japan, are, are confident people, right? Like, and they like to share what they enjoy instead of sort of hiding that. And I think she's a character that is emotionally set up to appeal to Western nerds specifically because she, she's not she's not moe, she's not submissive, and she she gives a shit about the things she gives a shit, shit about in the same way that can I you and I do, and. Other, you know, if we define nerd as somebody who likes a certain thing enough to engage in that hobby very directly, like you know, people who make their own costumes for cosplay or make their own games or write fan fiction, right? Like that's they love something so much they're engaging with it creatively and integrating it into their identity. And chie is a lot like that, and I think that's probably why people love Chiayi so much.
1: Yeah. And one other great thing about Chie is her relationship with Yukiko, the next character we want to talk about. Uh, they just have this, you know, beautiful, you know, relationship. This great friendship that's just heartwarming.
0: <laughs> what's the and What's so, the term for bromance? What's the female version of bromance? Because that's exactly <laughs> what this is.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there is one. They're about as good at BFFs
0: as Yusuke and Kuwabara. Man, like again to bring it back to the. <laughs> Persona Four is a Yu Yu Hakusho of 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 JRPGs. They're such good friends, and that just continues on. And I just wish there was a term, S-s-s-s-s-s-man, sister sisterhood sister. It doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> it does, I'm gonna stop trying. It Doesn't work.
1: Yeah. So uh, Yukiko, by contrast, is you know much more reserved. Not really. Uh, not really open about what she loves and, uh, or hates as much as Chie is, so their relationship
0: is strange, but it just works. Well, Chie wants to protect Yukiko because Yukiko, especially in the beginning of the game, and as as the game unfolds, this does change. But especially in the very beginning, Yukiko is is she is in by the other characters in the in the game she is very objectified she's objectified by her parents as their heir she's objectified by the media for being oh the the high, the high school age daughter of the local inn the local tourist attraction and she's she's you know she's very pretty uh, and she has sort of she has good grades she's got her got her shit together and she's kind of objectified by those people and i don't think she's really she's not engaging with the inn she's not engaging with her grades she's not engaging with boys i mean there's that creepy guy that asks her out uh at the very beginning of the game like on the i think it's your first day of school in game and she like is oblivious that he was even asking her out in a super invasive and creepy just i mean that character is drawn to be a creepy character cure of a creepy person uh so i I think the audience gets that clue immediately just visually but leaving that aside she doesn't get it from the the in-game dialogue Uh, And so Chie comes in and wants to sort of protect her and to to be a good counterbalance because Chie sees the emotional needs that Yukiko has and wants to come in and save everybody. She's a people pleaser, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so how do you think Yukiko ranks up in there? I mean, you're asking me, like, if you... Like, Yukiko is also a 10 out of 10 waifu material. I mean, of all the female (laughs) characters on the show... I, on, the, on the game, I think Yukiko. Yukiko was the one I ended up making my girlfriend in the first playthrough. Uh, that was maybe a little bit more because she was available to Social Link and I maxed her out first. But uh, she is a great character who as we were talking about is an interesting balance to, to Chie, but she's not a character who fits the pretty normal Moe Stereotype of how do we make an, a visually attractive anime-style character to sell toys, to sell figures and UFO catchers? Uh, she, if anything, her character arc fights against the people that are objectifying her, uh, and I think that that is pretty awesome. And especially now that I've played like a couple, of the, I know we're not. I, I should I should refrain from talking about the other games in the series, but the more I think about it. These games, all all three that I played, they're really not afraid to kind of go after, um, especially the recent the new game to directly go after hot button Japanese topics because there is a lot of Japanese contemporary social social rules and social history you know, recent history that gets referenced, but it's referenced su- not subliminally, but it's it's referenced very much in passing so it's it's just it just kind of permeates the games and if you're not familiar with that I wonder if that's also another problem for translating the game is people might not understand just how much pressure somebody like Yukiko really is under if they never met anybody or know anybody from an Asian country who has a family history of running a business that goes back for generations nobody wants to be the guy who's inherits the family business since the 1500s and has it go bankrupt on his watch and there's generations and generations and generations of social pressure building on you, and I don't know if Western audiences who are not as familiar with contemporary Japanese culture are going to pick 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 up pick up on that. Um, but people people are, are are very receptive to the game who try it. So I think part of the issue Persona Four has is people just just needs to get it into their hands. They need to buy a, a Vita, but who wants to do that? because it's a dead system.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, uh... Yukiko was actually the first person I maxed out as well and thus kind of became my girlfriend. Like, I had... Like, I really wanted to start out with Rise being the, you know, the girl that I was gonna end up with my first playthrough, but... Uh, I don't know, like, I went on... I think it's, like, uh, at rank 8 where you're at the shrine with her and, uh... You know, she says something like, and I'm praying to become a wor- uh, woman who's worthy of you. And it's like, oh, that's so cute. Darn it. All right. All right. I'll go with Yukiko. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah.
0: I forgot about that line.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to... It's a
0: little, it's a little like, if if, if Danielle said that to me, I would not even know. <laughs> if my, wife, if my <laughs> wife had said that to me, I'd be like, what is happening? Uh,
1: so, uh, let's move on to Kanji. He's one of my favorite characters as well. Kanji
0: is pretty awesome.
1: There's a lot to say here.
0: (laughs) Did you text me about Kanji being gay or something? You were, you were confused about this?
1: No, I, I wasn't confused. I was curious, like, um, uh, if he could be, like, one of the, if he was a romantic option. Like, could you date him like you dated Chie or Yukiko or Risei? And uh, I I just wanted to know in advance if that was a path I could take.
0: Yeah, uh, I wish it it was, actually. I really do. I think that would have been a cool thing to have in the game. Um, Homophobia in Japan is a little bit different than homophobia in the West. Um, You know who would be really good at explaining it is uh, Max, our friend Max from high school who's been living in Japan for five years now. Because when I was talking to him last year about this, he said, you know, it's not like in, in the West there's a lot of out it's a lot easier to be outwardly homophobic in a you know calling someone a fag kind of way in a in a not trusting them kind of way and in, 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 he, the way he explained it to me is that in, in Japan it's the expectation is well you're not if you're not going to have children then like what good are you and that's the kind of homophobia that is a, is still very present it's just very like subliminal in the way in where in the west we argue very loudly about that kind of social issue and in, in Japan they they just don't they're not loud people man like they don't do that so yeah all that to say kanji is not an option and there so far has never been a a same gender relationship option in any of these games which is a real bummer uh but kanji yeah so like i think that the correct answer to whether kanji is gay is no um which is different from whether it would be a better written game if he was. Uh, I think that they hint so strongly at it, but the thing they're hinting at is not that he's repressed, because that's not really a meme over the, the way it is over here. He's, he's hinted at as being gay because that's an external, symbolic uh, uh, way of showing his internal insecurity about his masculinity but his masculinity is very superficial. He's concerned about the fact that he's good at sewing, and so he overcompensates by being a total badass and wearing a skull T-shirt and a leather jacket and riding around in a biker gang. But he's he's only fighting those bikers because they're waking up his mom, right? Like he's like, yeah. he's a good kid.
1: I was just about to correct you on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, he's not in the gang, but he he fights him. You know, he's he's a he's definitely like a mama's boy. How old is his mom? Do you remember the character model for his mom? Yeah, she looked Like she with her gray anxious. hair She looks <laughs> I wonder if yeah. they just had a bunch of Old women characters That they designed for the the just To populate the, the game And they just picked one As his mom Because she was wearing uh, a, a, like Traditional clothing, a kimono Because she runs a traditional textile shop and so, mm-hmm. they just didn't think about it. It's it it it's, it's so suspicious to me. I wonder if it's a mistake in the game that it, they just weren't thinking about it. Not that people don't have old parents, but that kid's fifteen years old, and that woman would have been like menopausal when he was born. Man, like no way. <laughs> <laughs> it seems really really strange. But other than that, I mean, Kanji, you know, Kanji just has such this has such a great over overcomp over compensation and his god his relationship with Nalto is hilarious yeah <laughs> it's 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 amazing it's one of these weird kind of gender bendy scenarios where he's clearly into he likes her he's into her but she presents herself as a boy and so he's he already is insecure anyway about his what are what are ultimately not really masculine traits, right? Like being into cars and motorcycles and fighting people is not masculine. If that were the case, then you know Ronda Rousey would be really unfeminine, right? Like all those female MMA fighters would be very unfeminine, and that's just not true. Uh, so he's already insecure about that stuff, and then he he wants to he, he finally finds a girl he likes, and he thinks she's a boy, and he's poor guy is just he's too young for this shit. He's too young. He's only fifteen, and he has to deal with all this crap. And and he's he's freaking out now. He's freaking out now to a little bit because she doesn't know how to react to his weird behavior.
1: Yep, yeah, that's true. And I don't usually talk like talking about things outside the game when we're talking about a game. But if I may say so, I think he has one of the best voice actors, second only maybe to Chie. Like he, oh, we were talking about voice, voice actor really brought his character. Uh, yeah, I know. We can, of course, but uh i I was just saying it's not usually my forte okay um you know i leave that stuff to you (laughs) um i i think kanji's voice actor like in just every scene that he's in just really conveys like a very believable mood in whatever situation he's in
0: yeah he's got this yeah he's got i forget the name of his voice actor right now i don't know too many of them um overall, man, just to segue into the dub a little bit, just to talk about it, I I think that this is a pretty good dub of a game. Like, I I, I like basically everybody. Um, I can't think of a really example of a voice actor or voice performance, I should say, in that game that I just hated. Everybody was pretty solid. There was no, like, big issue. And this is not a game that you have the option for Japanese in. So, I wonder if I had the option to have Japanese audio. If I would have just instinctively gone with it, gone with the Japanese and never even given it a shot, because that's what I do for anime, um, almost, almost always, with the exception of purely nostalgic shows, right? With the, with the exception of Dragon Ball and Cowboy Bebop and stuff that I saw a long ass time ago and have a hard time watching it any other way, like Yu Yu. Ha- well, Yu Yu Hakusho hasn't. An- <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck Persona 4. Let's just talk about Yu Yu show. Why not? It's clearly what I actually want to talk about today. Let's talk about how Kubara is the best character in the history of literature. Go. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Bara is the best character in the history of literature. Um, um, we'll see. All
1: right. Um, if, if you're
0: ever scared or not so sure what to do, well, ask yourself, what would Bara do? And, and 9 times out of 10, that's the right thing to do.
1: Lessons to live by, kids. Yeah. All right, so uh, I guess let's move on to Resay.
0: Well, are we done with Kanji? Is there anything else we want to talk about, Kanji? Uh, uh, let's
1: did see. you
0: max out his social link? Because yeah, I did not. I did. I did not. I had a hard time finding oh, him, um, and have not gotten very. F- I have not finished my New Game Plus playthrough yet because Persona Five happened. So, sure. <laughs> uh, what do you think of his like the end of his arc? Like, what do what, what you what are your thoughts on that?
1: I thought it was pretty sweet like it gradually uh, you know we were basically helping him gradually come to terms with you know his hobbies and how he should not be so insecure about them because there are people out there uh, who love him for this gift he has and um, and yeah there are going to be people who mock you for the things that you uh, for the things you enjoy Uh, but you should not let that you know keep you from being who you are
0: yeah, he's a brownie, is what he is, man. Like he's he's the he's the he's the perfect brownie.
1: Huh? Yeah, you're
0: right. Like you could, <laughs> I mean, it's it's the same concept, right? If you're if you're secure in who you are, you're not gonna you're not gonna like take the take the opinions of of nitpicky, small-minded people who clearly aren't going to be good friends to you anyway. Because if someone is gonna really like get give you give you shit for something that actually matters very little which is whether you like ponies or textiles or you're you know you're you're not into the same things they are enough that's probably just not going to be a solid relationship and you're you're better off with that you know you're better off just taking that as an acceptable loss well okay kids uh be conf- believe in yourself and, uh, and 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 watch ponies. That's what Kanchi says. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about Rize? Right. Uh, yeah. Is she your um, favorite character? Uh,
1: yes, but only by such a narrow margin that I hesitate to call her my favorite because I just love everyone in this game. Like I will say it as many times as I need to. Everyone in this game is special to me. <laughs> but there is something I like about Rise um, her journey to find herself I really relate to I uh, and I just really enjoy her as a person I enjoy her cute little personality I enjoy that you know she kind of has a crush on the main character before you even start the social link with her which no one else really does um,
0: is she the lover's arcana?
1: Uh, she is the lover's arcana,
0: yes yeah I am I s I'm I kinda suspect that the Lover's Arcana is the game's designer's way of like, wink wink, this is the canonical ship.
1: Hmm. Well, I haven't played any of the other personas, so I wouldn't know anything about that, but that's good to know. Um anyway, um Yeah, let's uh let's <laughs> dig into Rise.
0: I mean Rise Yeah.
1: Um uh, She's very uh, very kind, very, uh, very willing to do her part, uh, just as all, just as they are all really. But, uh, one thing that kind of stood out to me was that when, do you remember when Teddy's per, uh, Teddy's shadow rose?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like after uh, her boss Teddy, fight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, she had just gained her persona, but she mustered the will to fight. I mean, everyone else who had just gotten their persona had been had to be knocked out for at least a few days but she not only you know wasn't knocked out right away but she gathered the determination um, uh, to assist in a fight
0: hmm. that is a cool interesting th- that is a cool observation I, th- I didn't really think about it that way I, I don't want to disagree with you on how great reset is and how resilient her character is but I feel the need to, to, to nitpick with you about this, because the re- there's a structural reason that has nothing to do with the characters' arcs as to why it takes people so long to get back and join the party. And that is that the game has a calendar system, and in order to have the game maintain the pacing that they want it to have, that's why the deadlines exist. And so certain events will always happen on a certain day of the year out of the game. So when you and if you have the ability to run to the dungeons at your own pace, say over the course of ten days, and you get done quote early, uh, you might have a long time before you have the instead of having that instead of having that cutscene where they come back later, or, you know you have to you have to get to that that point in the game when it's designed to be there, especially because it usually sets up something else in the game. From the storytelling perspective, so they make up this thing where, they're like, well, you know, Kanji is tired, Yukiko is tired. Now, Yukiko isn't tired. You're just really good at t- completing the dungeon. Uh, <laughs> and I believe that Risei will continue to be tired, if it, even after that happens, right? Yeah, she will. Yeah, so it's it's a game mechanics thing. But you are not you are you are not wrong in that uh, she has a lot of resilience, especially given. The amount of life that is just sucked out of her prior to the game, and that she has to go through before the, the sort of her 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 initial appearance in the game—that's not on not on TV, not like that cheesecakey commercial we saw at the very very beginning of the game. Just kind of—I can't decide whether I hate that transition or really love it because it's so abrupt, it's so weird. Like when all of a sudden you you beat you, you you're done in the Velvet Room and you sign in your name, and the next thing it's just. Oh wow, I'm, you know, 15-year-old girl like I I am so fat, I need to drink a diet drink and you realize you're watching a commercial. <laughs> yep. So,
1: what else can we say about Rise?
0: Oh uh, yeah, what well, I mean, you know, Rise is this she again, they they don't they don't let her become the they don't let her be objectified. I mean, I like the fact that it it's funny cuz this game is Pretty like overtly sexual, given the age of the characters and given, you know, the the game probably could easily and would be played by players of the same age as the characters. This game wasn't around when we were in high school, but if it was, I would have played it and liked it at that age. So, like on the on the one hand, they do make a lot of like sexual references, especially the dungeons and stuff where they Rises is a strip club, Kanji's is a is a bathhouse, but it's a it's. It's a ba- It's a bathhouse. It's a you know. It's a, it's a it's a gay hookup club, and uh, Yukiko has that finding her prince thing, and where she starts to say kind of risque things. So the game is has a lot of overt sexuality, but if you look past that messaging, the the the, the exterior, it's actually a game that is very anti objectification of people. Uh, whether it's they're being objectified because they're stereotyped as being a wuss for liking liking clothing liking designing clothes or they're being objectified in a very explicit sort of sexual way the way that Risei is objectified by the Japanese idol industry and by her her managers and stuff Uh, or how Yukiko is objectified not just by the media but by her social expectations you know it's about not about letting people be their authentic selves and sometimes not to like get into the end of all these characters arcs but sometimes being yourself means making the decision that society kind of picked for you anyway but it's your decision now i'm reminded a lot of um some there i think there are two kinds of stay-at-home moms there are stay-at-home moms who are just stay-at-home moms because that's what their religion or culture has kind of dictated to them based on their gender and then there are people then there are stay-at-home moms who knew exactly what they wanted to do why they wanted to do it were very aware of alternatives and chose not to do them because they wanted to be stay-at-home moms and from what i understand one of these groups are much happier overall than the other right they're making the decision they're making their own decision and in, especially in Japan, like people, you, there definitely is this cradle to grave kind of social system where you, there will be a job for you, there will be some kind of social designation and some kind of social role for you to play uh, at, at 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 every single point in your life. Um, and sometimes you're just going to continue on the the tra- you know the, the train tracks and you'll be fine. But as long as you're you're the one in the in the conductor seat and not a passenger, so there's there's this theme of not just of unpleasant truths but of having agency and rejecting objectification that is a big part of Rise as a character I mean, she's probably the most explicitly objectified character hmm. and even in the marketing you know that I, I I I could be wrong I don't I I don't really follow PVC figures like I used to but I don't feel like I've seen very sexually explicit cheesecakey statues of Rise like I see of like Asuka and Ray from Evangelion, right? 20 years later. I say this is somebody who owns <laughs> cheesecake fixtures of first <laughs> <Oscar and Ray. laughs> I'm not like knocking that. as uh, yeah, I, it's not I'm not saying that's bad, but Rese, even in the marketing for the later games and the spin-offs is definitely not objectified in the way it, there's no there's no meta objectification where they talk about how she's objectified in the game diegetically and then the game's parent company then objectifies the fictional person the character anyway they don't i feel like they don't really do that uh which is pretty good because it's it's seems like atlas is a company that's pretty or at least the people who work on the persona games are pretty ideologically centered people i think they know what they want to say and then they stick to it i don't feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy really going on with atlas okay
1: okay I think we covered Brise pretty well. Uh, shall we move on to Nauto?
0: Yeah, Nauto. <laughs> yeah. Definitely the coolest of all the characters. She is the coolest. That is true. Yeah. Uh,
1: <clears throat> you know, and for the, first, uh, for the first, first part of the game, we think she's a boy. Like, when did you figure out she was, like, with absolute certainty that she was a girl?
0: I knew she was a girl from the get-go, but it could be because I knew anyway i can't remember because i played this game i was aware of this game for many years before i played it and then i played it on the playstation 2 in like 2014 and i think i just could tell sometimes i can just tell when i when when i think a movie or a game is gonna like pull a fast one on me because they tell telegra- they kind of telegraph it and i I don't ever remember believing she was a boy, but you did you? you believed she was a boy in the beginning, right?
1: I did not believe that her voice actress was a boy. Like, I knew, like, as soon as I heard the voice, I'm like, that's definitely voiced by a girl. But, I mean, it could just be a young boy. So, I like, I always had the suspicion in the back of my mind, which maybe is what they were going for, Um but honestly, I don't think I was a hundred percent certain until like her shadow revealed
0: itself. Huh. That's. I guess. Did you when they said because uh, the the game will say when they, we don't know her name, it, they usually give like a description of the character, like rude looking girl or tough boy, and this this was like smart dressed, smartly dressed boy or whatever. They, what did they? Do you remember what they said for to
1: Um,
0: short boy or, or. I think it was uh, thin or skinny skinny boy thin boy yeah (laughs) Hmm. did you did you take it based on that did did you sort of take that as a word of god situation from the game developers that this is a boy character uh
1: no because i still had that suspicion but you know uh when i when i read that of course i you know i guess i took their word for it at the time (laughs) so
0: Hmm. yeah so you were really on the Kanji is gay train, right? Because Kanji was like... It really looks like... That's really what it looks like. <laughs> that Ever, he's sexually repressed, yeah. and he's into this, you know, thin... Th- th- you know, sort of thin, effeminate-looking guy. Um, and he's not very uncomfortable with that. Yeah, Nato has an interesting... Uh, I, I wish she was introduced a little bit earlier in the game... And that's maybe the one thing that I kind of wish was structurally different about this game is that I wish now I wish some characters were introduced a little earlier. I mean, Naoto is introduced in the narrative earlier on, but we don't really get to have her really join the party and get her social link until much later. And I wish that was yeah. The she case. makes very
1: spotty appearances up until then.
0: I'd say she's, aside from the protagonist,
1: she's one of the more powerful characters.
0: Well, she's really OP in battle. Yeah,
1: very. She has a variety of different types of attacks. Um, She has really good uh, light and dark attacks, which I don't even bother with on all the other characters, just with her. And uh, just a very useful asset in battle.
0: Yeah, and she's definitely smart. I mean, she's she's the smartest character for sure. And sure. she knows it. And unlike, you know, she, she all these characters for the most part stick out in some way or another in a way that they maybe don't want to, or had there's unintended consequences to the way they stick out. And she sticks out in a very public way, not in the way Reza is very public, but in a way that puts her outside of school and outside of a normal childhood. I guess it's like she had to grow up the fastest, mm-hmm. and that makes her one of the most mature characters. But it also kind of gives me a little bit of a, more of a thrill when she's in a situation where she's being more vulnerable because the, the walls are coming down a little bit. And, yeah, cool-headed, smart Detective Naoto is still an insecure person who <laughs> can be flustered. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't really like... And this is another missed opportunity, perhaps, for just wider representation of different kinds of people. You know you could have had Nato be a you know a transgender boy, right? I'm not saying every game has to be a very special episode where we, we, where we include every, every color of the rainbow every single time. But when a game goes out of their way to hint at these things and then takes them back from you, uh, that seems like a kind of an act of liter- that seems like a, a, an act of cowardice on the part of the, the author a little bit. Like it's like they wanted to do those topics. But they didn't want to commit to it because they didn't want backlash. And i it but everyone, you're gonna get no matter what you do, you're gonna get backlash, right? Because there's gonna be backlash for not doing it. There's backlash for having, but there's backlash to backlash. I mean, there's now, the whole internet is a world where people complain about the complaining. So. <laughs> All that to say, you know, sort of fuck the haters, and if you wanted to have a character who was uncomfortable with their gender, just do it. If you wanted to have a character who was just gay, like, have a gay character and have him be a badass gay character who who, who fights biker gangs because they wake up his mom, who's 78 years old. <laughs> back to that. You know, it, it, it's, it's... What bums me out is when they... It seems like they want to do it, and they are holding back. You know, and because sometimes you have because an androgynous girl character is fine. That's with short hair, totally fine. I, I I'm not saying that about Chie, right? You know, and if if uh, if Naoto were to kind of go kind of go more sort of fem mode, more girl mode, she, she wouldn't look any more out of place as a girl than Chie does, who does who looks 100 you know feminine all the time, just just kind of more 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 has a more athletic look.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Uh, have you maxed out her social link yet? I have not. Okay. Uh, do you mind if I talk about it a little yeah, bit? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Basically, her social link is like... Uh, she has like a little mini-mystery within the main mystery here. Yeah. Um. You know, someone writes her a letter. Uh, you don't know who it's... Uh, well, he gives you the letter that you then give to her. Uh, and you're both trying to figure out what the letter means. And, you know, um, who wrote it and... Oh, and before this, uh, someone had actually robbed her house, or her grandfather's house. And, that, and we now know that that thief, the person who stole her items, is the one messaging her. And it's just trying to figure out, like, why he's doing it, uh, uh, what's his motive, all that stuff. And, of course, in the end, it turns out that uh, her grandfather kind of staged the whole thing because he wanted her to remember the fun parts of, you know, solving the mystery of like getting back in touch with her inner child, yeah. uh, who just dreamed of being a good detective and loved the thrill
0: of solving a mystery. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, that, that, that goes, that's a really good social link for her characters, emotional development, right? Like that, that's, that's actually, that's very fitting. That's a very fitting, uh, uh, arc for her social link given that she's a character who, who definitely had to grow up a lot earlier, than any yes. of the other characters did to a certain extent yukiko kind of had to grow up and and you know Narukami has to grow up too in the sense that he's just ripped from whatever circumstance he was in and is now an inaba but whether or not you Narukami is a character or not is a little bit of a, quite a di- discussion we can have uh towards the end of this because i i think i think he's he's I, can't, I actually cannot make up my mind as to whether I should, like, list him as a character or not.
1: <laughs> well, I would like to talk about him a little bit uh, once we're done talking about Naoto and Teddy. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I also really liked about Naoto is her ability to just see every angle of a situation and take precautions. Like, uh, do you remember that scene where she basically told everyone, listen... Uh, we don't know what kind of adverse effects this fog could be having on all of us when we go into the other world, I think we should at least go see a doctor and get ourselves checked out just to make sure you know, I hadn't even considered that and it's just its kind of seems like such an obvious thing you'd want to do in that circumstance and just the fact that she brought it to everyone's attention and got it done really speaks to, really speaks to her intelligence and her drive
0: and her maturity as well
1: her maturity, yes.
0: Of course, you're playing a video game, and I think that in, when we consume media, we do have these kind of expectations uh, that are perhaps unconscious. That unless the show or game is kind of winking at us or lampshading the problem, that it's not something to be. Think- it's not something to think about, right? Because if the if if for example, in a different version of the story, the fog was slowly killing everybody and giving everyone a disease. They would need to plant the seeds of that 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 plot twist much much earlier, and I think that even if people don't see th- consciously th- see things coming, uh, it's well written things. When you look back, that stuff would be there. So I think that mm-hmm. if if for you to not expect that is just the fact that you are playing a game and have no reason based on narrative game logic to assume the fog is anything other than fog or anything other than fog that represents the power and scariness of the villain which is not a villain that's going to just give everyone a disease that can be cured by a doctor <laughs> if that may am I, am I making sense in that i feel like yeah I might no, not have done a good job explaining that there's a there's <laughs> definitely a kind of logic to storytelling that even people who are not like even people who haven't you, know, you don't have to have read joseph campbell to pick up on those cues and so you just think oh it's a game which is why things that subvert your expectations are either things that people really hate or things that people really like people really liked the sixth sense at first and then m night Shyamalan just kept making the same movie over and over again and people got sick of it
1: okay true uh but i also think it was a good way uh for the game developers to show that she's you know intelligent but also very cautious hmm. thinks of everything you know, there's always a different angle. And
0: um But she elevates the entire investigation squad. When she she really
1: does. Oh yeah. <clears throat> um She's also very aware of uh laws and loopholes and I think very well, let's just let's just say she's very good at her job. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh do you have anything else to say on that topic?
0: Nah, man. Uh Nato is Nato is, is... Most underrated girl in this game for sure. She's not my favorite. I wouldn't vote her best, but I think she is first the most underrated as far as like you know fan art and people discussing characters, uh, how much she's featured in promotional material. Thinking about like how good a character she is versus how prepared you would think she would be based on the community and based on the marketing for the game. Like she's very under underrepresented, under underrated. For how good of a character she is.
1: I guess let's move on to Teddy real fast.
0: There's not a
1: whole lot to say, I guess. Well, I guess that's not true. He is a... a being from the, uh... uh, from the TV world. The Shadow Dimension.
0: He's a bear. He's very (laughs) lonely. He can't bear it in the TV world any longer. Okay, okay,
1: stop. Stop it, stop it. (laughs) Um... So he is. Uh, we t- we touched on him a little bit in Yosuke's uh, in Yosuke's portion, but he's kind of the comic. Re- he's the comic relief, but he's also kind of like a symbol of you know, who am I really? Uh, uh, who I really am? Who am? You know, where did I come from?
0: Yeah, he has the he has the most what is the point? transparent identity issues. I mean, all these characters have identity issues, and all of them have pretty grounded, real life examples of identity issues that any given teenager is going to have, or any human being is going to have at various points in their lives. Right? Teddy, however, is not a human being. He's a he's a he's not a he's not a persona or a shadow. Because shadows and personas are the same thing, right? Shadows are just personas that haven't been tamed yet. So, Teddy is—he's a bear, man. He's—he's he's a bear. He's—he's—he's a conscious.
1: I think Nalto made a pretty good argument for why he's human. Um, uh, she put it far more eloquently than I ever could. But, um, like, do you remember the quote? Uh, it was. Um,
0: what 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 scene is this? Where like where in the game? I'm sure it's. Uh, it's the end.
1: pretty. It's pretty late in the game where, uh, she says, human, uh, normal humans, uh, are this who become this, and you just, uh, were that before this, and it seems like the result is the same to me. Uh, the only difference was, uh, the order in which the process occurred. So, you're human, Teddy.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So she's making like she has he has the same existential issues a human being does. He just has them reversed. He's Oh no, I can't I can't help myself. I'm going to do it, Clay. I'm going to do it. <laughs> he has he got his existence before his essence. But all the other Something characters like got their essences before they had existence. So he's a full-on like Sartrean he's a Sartrean protagonist. Now I want to see like a version of like a like a like a French existentialist black and white film version of Teddy, where Teddy's like <laughs> in a 1920s Parisian cafe smoking cigarettes, being like, "Why, why am I so very lonely when I am surrounded by so many people?" Uh, and like old timey music students, is playing, make it happen. like because that's what. Jean Paul Sartre's literature is kind of like—I mean, that's the character—that's that's that's a cartoon characterization of, of his literature. But he, he, he's a philosopher who wrote plays and books as well, um, and they're actually good plays and books, as opposed to a lot of other attempts at philosophical fiction. I think he pulls it off. He's one of the few human beings I think who has been able to do that. Uh, but he talks about the priority, the 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 metaphysical priority of human beings. And he posited that there's an important distinction between your existence and your essence. And for human beings, your existence comes first and you have responsibility for your essence. And prior to that, a lot of philosophers would have argued it was the other way around. So I couldn't help but bring some legit philosophy into this because that's exactly the point she's making. Uh, he, had, he, he has the same, he has all the ingredients of a human being, but he has the reverse kind of, kind of arc of uh to realization but depends on who you ask right there are definitely legitimate philosophers who would argue that teddy is more representative of what human beings are like than the human characters are because human characters in fictions are not human beings the big difference between a human character in fiction and a human being is that a human character in fiction has an essence and an idea that existed prior to their dialogue being written or their figure being drawn Whereas human beings are, are physically born prior to the development of our minds and the development of the things that make us who we are, is that so is that a little say? much? Is that a little much? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but what do you think Teddy's overall role here was in uh, the game? He's
0: the mascot character. He's absolutely the mascot character, but like that's not a bad thing. He exists as a comic relief. I think he plays off Yosuke really well. And he is kind of like... He has the naivete of a, of, a, of a newborn child in some way, of like a two-year-old. And one of the things I really hate about... One of the tropes I don't like, I, that I see a lot in Japanese anime and games and stuff, is the amnesiac, who am I really characters. Oh, I don't remember who I am, so I'm going to like, be a character whose basic backstory becomes a plot point as opposed to just writing a good character. Uh, There's ways to do this uh, the right way, and there's ways to do it the wrong way, and 90% of the time, it's done very poorly, and so I'm really sick of seeing it. I didn't get that vibe from Teddy, because the writers of Persona 4 did not use that as an excuse to not give Teddy a personality. Instead, they used it as as an excuse to integrate Teddy's personal problems into the bigger themes of the game, and then allow him to just be a floating ego and personality, and build the build who he really. You find out who Teddy really is by watching him act, as opposed to finding out who Teddy is because Teddy is the daughter of the local historic inn owner, and well, you know, or Teddy is the is the is the, the delinquent youth who was fighting some biker gangs and was on TV. Right? Like, we don't hear about Teddy before we meet him, so Teddy is whoever the heck he he says he is, and that's going a little going a little bit back to what we were discussing earlier with nacho's comment on on teddy uh so I, I like the fact that teddy is this kind of disembodied naive fun character who teaches you about what it means to be a person by at watching him act and not based on who he is because he is a total blank slate not in his personality but he's a blank slate in his relationship to human society yeah, and he chooses to be a mask. He chooses to be a mascot for a grocery store, <laughs> and he loves it. So, yeah, and the ladies
1: love him. That's for sure. They sure do. Uh, you touched a little bit on uh, the amnesia aspect of things. Uh, maybe we can use that as a good transition to uh, talk about the new added character in Persona 4, Golden Marie.
0: Yeah, let's do that.
1: Okay, uh, Marie was a new character added. She wasn't in the original Persona 4. Uh, but she was,
0: uh, I don't want to say shoehorned in. Uh, she was shoehorned but... in. I mean, okay. I'm not. All right. Yeah, let's even if you okay, I'm not gonna like. I I'm not a big fan of this character. Uh, but I don't see what else you would call what they did. If you were re-releasing a game that was so tightly structured as Persona Four. Adding a major character in a world that was already it's not that the Persona 4's world is very big, but everything in the small world they've made is very dense. There's a lot going on in every single shop on that street. So adding a new character who's a who's a major sort of integrate is majorly integrated into the story and into the the lore of persona as part of the SMT universe in general is kind of a tall order and that's the definition of shoehorning in even if you, so regardless of whether you like what they did, I think it fits the meaning of shoehorning, you know you can shoehorn something good in, I suppose people don't use the term that way
1: alright, that's fair um but, uh let's talk about, uh exactly what Mary is she is the, I guess an alter ego of Izanami, who's really the final boss and. Uh, arguably the orchestrator of all the events that go on in Persona 4.
0: That's the uh, gas that, station attendant for people who haven't yeah. finished the game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, part of her lost background that she doesn't realize, uh, at least at the beginning of the game, is that she was kind of split off from Izanami, just as Amano Sagiri and Kuni no Sagiri were in the beginning. And she was given more of a human form so that... Uh, she could spy on human beings, and Izanami could see through her eyes uh, what human beings were like and what it was they truly desired. And uh, through her eyes, Izanami was able to, well, perhaps mistakenly or perhaps correctly, came to the it came to the conclusion that mankind desired a world covered in fog. Um, where they no longer had to hide their true selves so that's kind of the role that they that they gave her I wouldn't say it was a bad idea
0: but she's not that um, character though she's the amnesiac character design of that character true
1: yes that is the, that's and that that, is,
0: that gets to like why I don't like this trope is because that's not really Marie that's a character that they say is Marie at the end of her social link. Marie is the character we actually appreciate, and she writes poetry and and eats junk food and likes to like go out and do things and is maybe a little bit insecure and it's like oh shut up don't read my poetry, but <laughs> she's not terrible you know she's not terrible or anything. Uh, that's what I that's what I mean when I say I don't like the the so the uh, the amnesia trope because that's not really her character. That's that you made a character and then. Withheld information about that character that has nothing to do really with how that character is used in the game or in the story, until the very end. It's a little bit like, not to reference other things, but you know how in the, toward two thirds of the way through Final Fantasy 9 we find out Zidane was like a clone or something like that. I can't even remember, and he gets all emo for a while and he, like he fights his party members. Remember that? You're like, you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, of course. It's the best scene in Final Fantasy IX.
0: No, it is not. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's well, not. Are you?
1: Ta- we're talking. Okay, no, I will argue with you about this once this blog is over because okay. we gotta focus. <laughs> but I will fight you to the death on this one.
0: Uh, it's not a uh, terrible scene. Okay, it's not. It's not poorly executed from a like yeah. from that standpoint. It's cool that he's fighting them and he's OP and he's always in over overcharge mode. That that is not the issue. That's not what makes it. That that stuff is fine, but. It seems like that has nothing to do with Zidane at that point. It's like you want—they wanted a character that had these attributes, but didn't want to put the work in to establishing it. So they just threw it at you two thirds of the way through the story. That's, uh, okay. that's the right. analogy will... I'm reaching for. All
1: right. Uh, I think that works for. I think that's an appropriate analogy for uh, uh, for Marie. I strongly disagree with you on uh, on the Zidane portion, but we'll uh, okay. we can address that. All once right. This okay. Is
0: over. We'll, we'll fight later. That's fine.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. So, Marie is also a, uh, a potential love interest, someone you can date. Um, I don't suppose she's, uh, a person you've tried to date in one of your playthroughs? No, no. Okay, don't. Uh, I'll just save you some time, don't. Oh, uh, she... awful? Um, it is, um, uh, it's not that it's awful. Like, her social link is, you know, I guess, average. It's not terrible. Uh... It's just that you don't get anything, uh, from her, uh, that, uh, like very little changes in the dialogue between the, the lover's route and the friend's route. Like when, when you go the lover's route with any of the other girls, you know, dialogue changes and, you know, you can go on a a New Year's Eve date and a Valentine's date and,
0: um. Is she not available for those things? No, she's not. Like, uh, well, then, like you're essentially not dating her. Yeah, because that's what it means in in, in Persona Four. It, the, what it means to date somebody is to go to hang out with them on Christmas, Valentine's Day, and go to your room to spend a long time together.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's I completely agree. And the only thing that really changes is like one scene at the end of the perfect ending, where you know she you see her as the weather girl, and you know she says. Oh and by the way if that person is listening, I love you. And that's that's like basically the only difference.
0: Yeah, that is a weird ending. I I don't mind that 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 epilogue. It's okay. Like I like everyone's haircut. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's the most but that's kind of the best thing about it. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So Marie, new character, new social link. Aeon Arcana, uh very worthwhile doing her social link for the Persona fuse, fusion benefits though you can make some badass personas sure. with her arcana
1: uh, since we're on the topic of arcanas right now let me uh let me just branch off for a second and we'll come right back uh mm-hmm. what do you think uh what was your favorite uh persona
0: my plan. favorite persona oh hmm that's actually not something i have really thought of who do i like the most as a persona geez all i can think of are snarky answers that aren't real answers. All I'm doing is not <laughs> revealing my true self and opening up. Instead, I want to just deflect with humor. Because I was going to say Mara, who's not even in the game, but is a is a is a is a persona slash shadow slash demon in other SMT games and in, in, in Persona Five. That's a gigantic dick on wheels. Um, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. It's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I I they don't have personalities. So, I, I I'm not exactly sure why I would have a favorite other than the uh, that I like the way they look. I like the way that some of the um j- the Justice Arcana characters look, I guess. I like the way that the power and the ju- and the justice, the angel looking ones. Yeah, those cool. those things look really cool and they cast Hama and Haman, and they're pretty. They're pretty sweet. I am. I like anything that's really kind of out there. Um, Hector and Harris is really cool. I might be butchering that. It's the Greek the guy with like all those arms, and he's green. He I think might I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. He, he might actually have a different name in Persona Four. I I, I just remember him because like, oh, that's a Greek mythology character. Because a lot of these are literary and mythological or religious references all oh, yeah, over definitely. the place uh it's you i can't even begin to like sit down and some of them are familiar to me and some of them i'm like i have no idea what this is i'm sure this is something i mean i don't think i don't think uh uh jack well jack frost is kind of i mean they have a character called jack frost a persona mm-hmm. called jack Frost. i don't think that's that's more of a, that's more of an allusion to uh the literary folklore character of jack frost so I guess I'm gonna to have to dodge this question. I don't really have a favorite persona. My favorite persona is the one that does the most damage when I'm when mm. I'm using it. I, mean, I'm I, I exactly sp- the same way. Okay, let's let's make this an easier question. Who is your favorite persona that a persona user in the cast has? Uh, oh, okay. Um... Teddy's because he's a gigantic missile. He has he's a big fat dude and he throws <laughs> missiles.
1: Right. Yeah, that's true. I guess I would also
0: go with, um... I also like Yukikos.
1: Yeah, I was about to say Yukikos. That's a very cool...
0: That's a very interesting, interesting... I forget her persona's name. But that is a uh, cool okay. character design.
1: Yeah, her second form is uh, Amaterasu. I remember that one.
0: Yeah, but I even like her first form, too. The... Sort of the uh, bird... Pink, pink bird lady. Yeah, see from I know the what the you're game. talking
1: about. Uh wish i could remember these names there's so many of them (laughs) all right well that all uh that's all fair so now that we've gotten kind of the main cast out of the uh out of the way can we talk about maybe the villains
0: well we have a little i think we are we are missing some of the main cast right now we haven't talked about nanako or dojima
1: oh yeah all right
0: i mean we could go to villains too i just feel like the natural progression is nanako and dojima after what we've talked about but we can talk i guess about the we
1: yeah you're right we can't we can't move on without talking about nanako at the very like least like going
0: back how are we going to go back to nanako like <laughs> because spoilers nanako is best girl um <laughs> easily yeah and she likes nanako likes the simple things man she likes her she likes her, her commercials her commercial jingles <laughs>
1: Yeah, Nanako is definitely a very, very cute person and just you can't you can't not love her. You just love to love her.
0: Well, I like how she uh how she kind of is in a way able to kind of control Dojima, kind of. Like I it's this is more in Dojima's uh social link than in hers, but Dojima will like start to grill you about like well, why, uh why were you here when we found the guy, and how did, you know, we spe- the jig was definitely up later on when uh, uh, you get to find Rise before the cops do, and warn her before the cops do, and uh, she can just be like, hey, are you fighting? And, like, that totally shuts him up. You're right, it does. Because, I mean, obviously, Dojima, like, obviously very, very much loves his daughter, and wants to be a good father but probably just feels you know he just feels guilty about the fact that he's a single dad at all and it prevents him from like doing I think the right thing and maybe the, and the right thing for Dojima is maybe not necessarily something that is super common uh, he has to pull back from work and that's definitely not something that Japanese men ever are expected to do Like, pulling back from work to be with your children is not something that is very common. Uh, It's not normal behavior for fatherhood. So he has to be a good father, but to be a good father, he's got to, like, break out of the mold of what he was taught by society to being a good father meant. Especially given the extenuating circumstances. But that's true of any father, even if the the mother is alive and, and around or not. I'm talking about Dojima and Nanako at the same time now, so I'm breaking our schedule, but...
1: <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. They they work well as one unit, so maybe we should talk about them in relation to each other.
0: <clears throat> I mean, Nanako doesn't interact with anybody else other than Dojima, and she occasionally comes out, and she does meet the main cast. She does meet them eventually a couple of times. And it's it's a cute little interaction. They're just like, what did you do at school today, Nanako-chan? Or do you want to help us do whatever? You know, like the... the The teenage characters are nice to her.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said before, very lovable, and, you know, she's supposed to be. You're supposed to develop a very older brother-type bond with her so that, you know, when you have that scare at the hospital, it means something.
0: Yeah, it sure does mean something. Man, this game can really... Yeah, I was driving, and I got a text from you that just said, how can they let this happen to Nanako or something like that? Yeah, I, was, I just... Oh, uh, when I heard that flatline, like, that
1: that's usually... That usually means curtains. Yeah. Like, I didn't think she was gonna come back after flatlining. Uh, which I, I kind of thought, you know, at, at first, like, when she came back, like, okay, that's a little annoying that they, like, did that flatlining and she was dead for a few hours and now she's fine. But uh, I, I kind of, I like, made little excuses for myself like this is like supernatural fog that's like messing with her mind you know and teddy's going in and out of the world um so weird stuff is happening maybe there's like enough supernatural wiggle room to allow that to happen
0: i do wish they were more clear you know because yes the supernatural wiggle room but good writers leave enough breadcrumbs for you to very clearly see what's going on if you think about it they don't necessarily have to spoon-feed you what's going on, but they need to leave you enough information to make realistic inferences about how the rules of the world work. And I do think that is is one—that is kind of a weakness of that scene, is that they went all the way to like flatlining and essentially killing Nanako for a little bit, but they didn't really give you a good reason as to why she came back, other than you didn't get the first of the many exit ramps this game has, which is the Namatame bad ending. Where you kill Namatame and then Nanako stays dead. Yeah. And then you just go home. That end. Did you. Which, which is. Which, did you get. You didn't get that bad ending.
1: No. Which bad I got, ending did I, you get? My first one, I got the uh, bad ending uh, where you don't kill Namatame and Nanako does survive, but you don't progress with the story. You know, so I basically elected not to kill him, but I didn't pick the exact perfect combination of responses to Yosuke's uh, questions and accusations to get me to the right one. Uh, And I hear that in the Japanese version, it was a lot more clear which response was the right response. Like, I ended up looking it up when I reset the game to get the good ending.
0: Yeah, I think that... I like the fact that the game has exit ramps and bad endings. I think that that's part of effective RPG storytelling multiple bad endings that are right next to each other is just asking for people to get stuck in one of them. Because if you don't get if if you don't get stuck in the Namatame c- dying one, you'll get stuck in the one you got stuck in, which is a little bit more out there as to like, well the 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 the, the, the investigation team just couldn't figure it out because they were bad at solving mysteries and <laughs> everybody dies, except Nanako who dies eventually so, there you go. The whole world ends. I I dislike that. I, I I'm not. I don't mind having multiple exit ramps. I dislike having those two so closely so closely together. They're on the same day, and I, I think that that is. I would have cut one of them. But I could see the counter argument to that being, killing Namatame is very clearly not what you're supposed to do. Even but it's if you, certainly
1: how you feel though. Like well, I was really considering it just because I was so mad at him for cause for presumably causing nanako to die
0: and this is probably a big difference between our experiences because i knew adachi was the killer because i got spoiled i got spoiled Hmm. just by google images actually just i was just google image searching for wallpapers and i started seeing wallpapers with adachi sort of in typical villain poses Mm. and i was like oh oh it's adachi oh hilarious okay uh (laughs) And that, in no way, took away from my enjoyment of the game, but it did change my perception of the Namatame scene, because the Namatame red herring did not... I was like, well, clearly it's not this guy, or I wasn't sure what was going on, but I knew he wasn't the final villain, or I knew he wasn't the final killer. So I'm okay with the multiple exit ramps. I'm not okay with having them so close together, and that is a bit of a problem.
1: Yeah, I fully agree with you.
0: (laughs) Um... Alright, so uh, shall we move on to villains? We de- yeah, so I guess are we done with, Adachi, uh, with um, Nanako and Dojima? I think so. I don't yeah. think there's a whole lot more to say right now. Than, they're great characters. Um, Very great characters. <laughs> and Dojima being around is this weird limiting factor structurally in the game where he prevents you from going outside. But at least you can go outside at all in the golden version of the game because you can't um, go outside at, at night I mean you can't go outside at night in the PS2 version of the game. Really? The golden, no, that's something I did not know. The golden version is absolutely the game version of the game you should play. And if anyone listening to this so far has only played the PlayStation 2 version and thinks that they've played Persona 4, it is 100% worth your while to replay the game in the golden because there's a ton of extra con- content. Not, it's not just Marie and that stuff that was added uh, the game makes a lot more sense structurally you can go out at night I, 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 come to, I sometimes it's been so long since I played the PS2 version I sometimes forget but I remember my first golden playthrough I was like this is so convenient look at how however, they fixed all this stuff I remember being like really impressed it's not just an HD Vita version of a PS2 game it's, it's not a remake but it, they definitely went it's like the Star Wars Special Editions were good I don't know, bad analogy. Help me out here. What's an example of something that was re-released and is... It's like if Scholar... I, I can think of bad examples of this, right? I, I think Scholar of the First Sin is, for Dark Souls 2, is not a justified change. I think it's better than vanilla Dark Souls 2, but I don't think it's a justified change to, re, to make me re-buy the game. I think re-buying Persona 4 for the Golden, even if you played PS2 version, is well worth is well worth charging me twice. Um, sometimes I buy games more than once to get new stuff. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm not happy about the fact that I spent money on this. This is not the case for Persona 4.
1: All right. So the first villain that we uh, that we come across is Mitsuo. He's the he's the kid we first see when he's hitting on Yukiko, and uh, ultimately just a really shady guy, as he's supposed to be
0: he's a creepy dude he's he's a he's a he's a character cure of like the in the 80s or 90s there was a japanese serial killer who targeted little girls and he was like the otaku killer and like that is responsible a little bit for some of the negative connotations that the word otaku has in japan and he reminded me a little bit of that he's just kind of like it's a little bit th- that serial killer in Japan is a little bit what ha- is a little bit like the post Columbine approach to misfits and nerds, uh, where oh the quiet kids who play video games all the time they must they must be they're going to be the next school shooters right after Columbine there was kind of this overreaction and misunderstanding of what happened, and society had to figure that out and I think. This guy reminds me of that a little bit. They're not. He's. He. he his social misfitness is turned inward and negative.
1: I, I've been. I find him to be a somewhat interesting character, though. So I've tried to like trace his storyline, like from the beginning of the show, or I'm sorry, from the beginning of. There the is game. a
0: Persona Four show, There's... and it certainly feels like an anime series. So I, I've been doing yeah. that the whole time too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. From what I've
1: gathered, like we get like information drops about him at like many different points in the game, and I think what happened was he is naturally uh, a very hateful person. Like he hates a lot of little things, like uh, obviously biker gangs, uh, women who cheat, and you know you actually get to see him a little bit in the game. Like he, uh, like if you wander into the northern shopping district. You will see him, like, on very, very rare days. Like, he'll be standing out there and you can talk to him. And, you know, he talks about his... How much he hates things. And so I think that with his natural hatred... Uh, he starts seeing these killings. Uh, these two killings of the... uh, Miss Amano, the announcer, and Saki-senpai. And he's just... And he starts... And he starts to side kind of with the killer... He wants, he, you know, he wants to be the guy who is also doing these things, and since the killer is obviously not going to try and take credit for it, he kind of went in and first he tried to emulate the killer by killing, uh, by killing King Moron, and then also tried to take credit for the first two killings.
0: Yeah, he really he's, like, he's a he's a he's a, a full on copycat. He's like a living he's like a internet comment section come to life if it was, like, a horror movie villain. (laughs) I hate everything. Overrated. Worst movie ever. Why won't women like me? I'll... I'll kill you, you know? Like, but, like, he's like Jason, so he's, like, wandering wandering around, like, trying to emulate being a a stereo killer.
1: Right. And, uh... So he just has all this pent-up aggression and all that, but when we see his shadow, we see, like, his inner self... and. Mind you, he is the only villain who we actually see the shadow of. Like, the actual, legit shadow.
0: Amino Sagiri is not uh, Adachi's shadow? Say that again? That's not Adachi's shadow? Uh, uh, the Amano, Sagi- Sagiri? Amano,
1: <laughs> Amano Sagiri is not... I wouldn't call him Adachi's shadow, because okay. he's, a, a, he's a, uh, a fragment of Izanami. You know, she's something that she put inside of Adachi. Um... You know, it wasn't like his repressed self uh, given form.
0: Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> it's, so, like it's how he had power and stuff. It, exactly. It, it's a little bit. It, it, it fulfills some of the roles that a persona would ha- or a persona or shadow would have. Hmm, okay, yeah, including the
1: eyes turning yellow and you know, double voice and all that stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, as I was saying about Mitsuo's shadow, uh, something that kind of stuck out at me is that his shadow felt nothing. Like, as Mitsuo's getting angrier and angrier and yelling at his own shadow and saying, you're not me, you know, I killed them because uh, because it was fun. It's a game to me. And, but the shadow just kind of stands there stoically and says, you know, I just feel nothing. There's nothing in this world. I don't care. Nothing... I feel nothing. And so it just kind of makes me wonder, like, is he repressing maybe a, maybe a sociopathic side to him that can't feel feelings, but
0: he's... I think it's simpler than that. I, I think he's just depressed. I think he's the inverse of a lot of the arcs that the the main characters go through. He's a teenager who, instead of finding himself, got, sucked, got consumed by the isolation of sort of living in a very sort of modern society that is not very willing to see him as anything other than his function at the, at a given time. Right. Like, and he's not popular and he's not personable and he has a hard time communicating. And so he just gets, he That's, I think that's more of a, I think it's a simple, I think that's, he's just become depressed. Um, not, not that depressed people become serial killers. Right. But I just, if he was, if he was, if he was a natural born killer, he's a natural born serial killer. He'd be like a Dachi who is not even remotely remorseful. At any point. Whereas The Shadow is his kind of... I wouldn't describe that necessarily as remorse, but it's definitely a uh, a comment on what's really going on. It's a little bit like the writers are speaking to the audience about mm. what this character is like. And he, he's, he's kind of the inverse. He's, there's, you know, And this is actually a storytelling thing. It's not that uncommon for, at some point in the hero's journey, for the hero to engage in, I think it's called the brother battle. Where you fight the Black Knight, right? If you're on, if you're going to save uh, the princess in the castle, and you're you're a strong hedge knight of the realm, and you've got to fight the Black Knight who's out there, and he's the opposite color. He's the reverse Flash of your of your uh of uh, of your story, and he he fulfills that role structurally a little bit. He's instead of being a great monster, he's a uh, inverted version of yourself.
1: Huh. That is a very interesting observation. I like that. Alright, so... Basically, we defeat... Uh, and before we go in and defeat him and all that... Uh, the way he gets inside the TV in, at all in the first place... Because he doesn't have the magical go-inside-the-TV powers... He actually goes to the police... And I guess in an attempt to get more attention... And have more people notice him... He like he comes forward and says, I am the killer. And the only person... Uh, uh, the person there who, like, hears him, and the only person who really believes him is Adachi. And, uh, you know, who believes that, uh... At that least that he killed King Moron. <laughs> and so, uh, Adachi pulls him into a dark room and throws him in the TV. And upon discovering that he's in a new world, Mitsuo uh, kind of, like, reverts to, uh... Like, basically changes course here... And tries to kind of get attention by, uh, playing the the one that got away. You know, you'll try and catch me if you can, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And and having full confidence that there's there's no one who can. <clears throat> so then we go in, we capture him.
0: He's three D. He's three D. Dot game heroes. Uh, boss yeah, fight. exactly. Which they were. I, I think that's an Atlas game. I think they were they were they shared developers. I think they were developing that game in the in the same, uh, around the same time, I think, was the story with why that was in there. Oh, is that right? I, I would, I swore I, re- I read that, that 3D God Game Heroes was being developed at the same, or around the same time, and that's why they integrated that into there. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's true.
1: So finally, uh, I guess with a few threats from Kanji, uh, he kind of comes clean that, um, you know, that he, at least that he killed King Moron, uh, and his prints were on his uh, were on King Moron's jacket and everything, so they had no problem proving that at least that was him. Uh, but obviously, as the game would go, there, the police and Naoto uh, can see several discrepancies with the cases and believe that it's not quite over. Uh, which kind of brings us to our next villain, and I say villain with quotation marks, Namatame.
0: The Red Herring. Okay, cool. So let's let's keep let's continue with Namatame. So you know, Namatame uh, uh, is the second red herring, and he's uh, you know he he it, you know spoilers at the end you know he's he's not he's not the killer. But you sure the the game sure does make you think he's the killer. Um, I think they do a lot better job of making him uh, a red herring than they did with Mitsu. I saw right through Mitsu. It, it seems too early in the game's progression for them to find the killer anyway. Uh, what did you think of... Did you... Did the game have you thinking that Namatami was the killer?
1: Yeah, I was pretty much convinced.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you got, uh... When you have his shadow on the screen saying what you believe to be his inner thoughts, uh, you know, saying that he did it, it seems almost cut and dry.
0: And he's a boss battle. You know, you fight his, his shadow persona thing, his weird big, uh, a- angel heaven thing, right? And yep. that looks like the final. I mean, that looks like One Winged Angel, <laughs> <laughs> right? That looks like the that looks like the ending to a to a weird JRPG. And this has been a weird JRPG so far. Uh, I, I can't I can't relate to that because I did get the I did get the killer spoiled for me. Um, but this game is all about the journey and not about the the, the ending, right? So I, I don't feel like you sh- you shouldn't spoil the 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 killer to people. But I there's plenty of other games there's plenty of other stories that are who done it murder mystery Agatha Christie style stories where if you did they did tell you who killed who killed it you have no reason to continue watching or reading that thing persona 5 yeah I, I could the game could immediately start out telling you uh adachi is the killer you have to find him in this sort of breath of the wild kind of here's the ending let's see if you can get to the point where you can handle it kind of way and i don't think it would take away from the value that this game has as an experience. And
1: yeah. Um, one thing I'd like to comment about uh, Namatame his shadow is actually not really a shadow, it's Kunino Sagiri, which, like Amino Sagiri, was a fragment of Izanami that she birthed and input into a random traveler. And what I find interesting about Kunino Sagiri is that he seemed to... Like, even when he revealed himself, he seemed to be... How do I put it? He seemed to take on the desires that Namatame had. When he... Even when he emerged, you know, even though his mission was to cover the world in fog, he was mostly thinking, or at least it seemed to me, that he was focused on getting Nanako back, which is what Namatame wanted, not what Izanami wanted. Um... As opposed to, say, Adachi, who had Amino Sagiri inside him, and from what it looked like... I mean, maybe Adachi, uh, like, was already had this way of thinking, but it seemed like Adachi was the one who kind of yielded to the Sagiri inside him and started believing as it believed. Whereas the reverse with uh, Namatame is also true. Or, er, the reverse of it is true.
0: Which So do you think that... Um that uh, kuninosagiri uh changed namatame's mind or do you think that you know it was namatame who had the effect on Kunino that brought that out of Kuni, you know who who was you know who was uh in inhabiting who in that situation do you think you know, are you, so is your is your idea that uh <clears throat> namatame's will was stronger than kuninosagiri's and that's why he behaved differently from adachi
1: i believe so i believe he had uh, a stronger heart a uh, more firm will and, in that sense, Kuni no Sugiri was more impacted. And what supports that theory is that the main character, you, Narukami, or whatever you want to call him in your playthrough... Yeah, it, it, the, uh, the, the, the,
0: he's generally con- considered you in the community, because that's what they use in the anime.
1: Yeah. Um, you don't even... Like, even though he has been you know, touched by Izanami, the only real thing inside him that you can see is Izanagi. And Izanagi never tries to lead him to, uh, you know, welcome the fog or shield your eyes from the truth or... And so I believe that you, the player, are meant to be, like, this very strong person, this pure of heart, uh, strong-willed individual... Uh, Because that's how the game wants to make you feel. How most games actually want to make you feel. And you kind of conquer the power that Izanami gives you. And even take it in uh, and bring it farther than she ever could, interestingly. Um, So I think it's just a statement on on Namatame's drive. um, What kind of person he is.
0: Well, I think this is a pretty good opportunity. It was hard to know where to fit this in structurally, but I think that it would be a mistake to not talk about Yu Narukami's personality, uh, despite the fact that he is a video game, a mostly silent, kind of, not really, but basically silent protagonist. Um, Because he does have dialogue options, and and I do think that his personality is... Or can be anyway uh, uh, deciphered a little bit from the kinds of choices that you can make in regards to your dialogue. So I, I, I think of when I think of you, Narukami, uh I think of you, Narukami as um, a totally confident kind of cool kid who is willing to express himself and like has no filter. Like he, I feel like he kind of has, he's so cool because he kind of has no filter, but his no filter doesn't get him into trouble. It just makes him all the more charming because you can say things that are kind of weird in the game or something that that i would interpret as uh, something that somebody with a lot of confidence would say and the other characters just kind of you you can play in that right that way and the other characters just kind of roll with it and i feel like that's the kind of depiction he sort of has in the anime where he especially in the golden anime where he just seems to be picking all the weird choices because he's in new game plus at this point (laughs) uh so he's in comparison to the you know not to talk about the other persona games but i think that his dialogue options are different from the kinds of dialogue options you get in three and five for sure I, i think that he has a kind of charming uh a kind of high charm high charisma score that allows him to just kind of weave his way in and around people's hearts in a way that I don't think is at all the case the Persona 5 protagonist or the Persona 3 protagonist. Yeah, you is one cool cat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that.
0: I mean, did you play him that way or or did you play him a little bit more conservatively? You can play him like an asshole. Uh, I'd never have the constitution for that, but you can do it.
1: Yeah, I I, I usually just did the... uh... The option that made me feel good because I kind of learned like when I started to go that route that it basically it leads to the same dialogue there's like one li- uh one line change and then it goes into regular so uh, it wasn't enough of me of a reward for me to you know go in and act like a douchebag you know
0: <laughs> well and you'd have to be. Uh, a, a, a true sociopath to be mean to like Chie. Yeah. And <laughs> these characters like something has to be seriously wrong with your soul if you like get any enjoyment out of like telling Yukiko her food is just awful. <laughs> like, and the, and that's one of the areas where the game really doesn't give you a choice. When the when the kids are at the uh this the camp right they're camping at the school trip, and the girls made weird poisonous curry and you have i think a couple options but all they all like you said they all lead to the same place which is uh yeah terrible food i think if you have enough courage you can you can take a bite and then pass out yeah that's right if I remember if i'm remembering that scene correctly um just kind of awful because that's a big part of yukiko's arc is her ability to like come to terms with the kinds of skills she needs to have to be the the, the owner of that in so cooking more so than i think with chie although i think there's probably some sex sexist or just gendered expectations of the characters because you know i think there's a little bit more of a women in the kitchen kind of a thing in japan than there is in the west at this point uh, and that's why it's the girl characters who are making the food and not the boys and how they're uh they're uh, they're more emotionally invested in whether they did a good job or not. So yeah, in that scene, like as you, you kind of have to like break their hearts, and it feels awful. <laughs> so uh, other than that, like what what do you make of so so you? But what's you? I guess what's your interpretation of you?
1: Because I know like you is a really great silent protagonist, but you know how do you really tell which silent protagonist is better than the others? You know, like I personally. Like the way they've done you as opposed to say Surge from Chrono Cross or uh, Chrono from Chrono Trigger.
0: And Surge think... as a personality? Huh? That's <laughs> a Surge as a personality. <laughs> he's so forget uh, he's just so forgettable. Like that's a great game, but he's super forgettable, I think.
1: Yeah, he is. And I guess it's just the diversity of the options you get. And I think what uh what really draws me to you is that everyone else seems to be drawn to him you know because of the spark that izanami kind of uh lights within him everyone is just sort of drawn to him and i know that's not really you know it's not really him but in a way it also kind of is him and it just kind of gives him this i don't want to say well yeah, this feeling of reliability and, um, and just really good with people. Someone uh, well, he's a positive influence
0: on everybody around him. Like every socially, he makes all these people better, basically. Yes. Uh, you know, think about the the uh, the social link in the clubs. You know, when he hanging out with the, either one of the girls, right, band girl or drama girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really helps them become better people. Uh, and that's basically the arc of most of the social links is helping that social link confidant become a better person uh by being around him so like he's the opposite of a human wrecking ball you know he's he takes broken things and fixes them again uh but that how much of that do you think is the character you and how much of that is the arc that the story is wanting to set up right i guess i i think it's important when you're thinking about a silent protagonist to Try to see if you can parse out the difference between the narrative arc of the game and the characterization of the protagonist's progression through that arc. Does that make sense? Like, sometimes it's just the game, and sometimes it's really him. And I suppose if you're buying into the illusion of the game, it's it's him because you are him and you are making the decisions and watching it happen. And that's the magic of video. You know, that's the that's the video games version of the Kuleshov effect, right? That's your brain is buying into the illusion that your choices are connected to the previous ones when really it's just it's just a computer in the same way that you see a series of moving images in a movie and your brain is actually only seeing individual frames but you're seeing them so fast your brain is putting them together you're, you're allowing that narrative to be told inside your own head so I think dealing with silent protagonists is a little bit difficult because you could argue that the merits of a silent protagonist Have to do with what they don't say more than what they do say, Uh, and so far we've focused on what you does and doesn't, you know, what you actively does and his presence in the story, Uh, and you know, I I think that there's a certain amount of if you put somebody else in this story, I don't think that it would work, and one of the reasons is that I think unlike say you know Pokemon, who's 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 the Pokemon trainer's best friend in the those early, I guess in the early games, I guess they have friends in the newer games, the 3DS games, but thinking back to the Game Boy games, like, who's Red's friend?
1: Yeah, I guess you can't really say name one. one
0: Name one friend.
1: Well, uh, I guess you could make the argument that, uh, that his friends are the people in the outside world that you're trading and battling Pokemon with. But, uh, I, I don't think that's the point you're trying to make. <laughs>
0: Yeah, who's diegetically his friend? Who's his friend in the narrative? Yeah. But, yeah, that, but Pokemon's just an example. I'm just trying to think of other games of silent protagonists and how the big difference in Persona is that the silent protagonist is seen having friendship, right? Like, people talk to... People say your name or you's name, and like, man, I sure do love you, you, or you's so funny, or you, you know, thanks for listening to me, you. And I don't think, other than people telling Zelda to, to, to telling telling Link uh uh that thanks for saving me you know does Link have best friends in that's you know in that series the way that you has best friends in Inaba
1: Yeah that's very true So it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges in this case
0: So that brings us to uh you know our main uh, the villain the killer Adachi who in the golden version you can side with which is Kind of dark, yeah. But that's arguably the sign of a good RPG is that it gives you options, right? So, uh, you do have the option to do that because he has a social link, uh, which I have not actually been able to get started. Frankly, um, I keep seeing him. I think I might have one rank in it, but I don't. Every time I see him at night or something, it says, "Oh, don't tell Dojima about this," and I can't quite bring myself to fac his social link yet. Have you? Did you? Uh, have you did you get it? Get get that ball rolling? Because I see him and he won't really talk to me. So yeah, you're whatever. not going to have
1: any luck with him at night except for like on one or two different nights through the whole year. The times where you advance his social link is in Juness. You have to go to the Juness uh first floor and uh he'll be there on random days. Like most characters are there, you know, Mondays, Tuesdays, Fridays or uh Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, whatever. Adachis are the only ones that seem to be completely random. So it's uh, it's not easy to uh, really rank up with him unless you're going to Juness and checking for him every day.
0: I see. Okay. Because that's weird that he's there at night then. I guess if you have his a certain rank in his social link, he can be there at night and just hang out with him like you do any... Because you can't rank anybody up at night. Because all that night content is golden content. In the PS2 version of the game, uh, you went to bed. Dojima didn't let you go out.
1: Alright, so... Uh... What can we say about Adachi? One thing I kind of, uh, one thing I kind of thought of, and maybe you can add to this a little bit, Barry. Uh, I kind of, as I played through it the uh, the third time and listened to his dialogue, I kind of started to maybe get the impression that he's like the dark mirror of the protagonist, because they both start out pretty similarly. They both uh, have very likely had not so good lives early on. They were both transferred to a place, you know, kind of against their will. Uh, you know, uh, it was a decision of somebody else that they had to come here. Um, but whereas you went one path, Adachi went another. You, you know, managed to find happiness here. He found friends, uh, family. Uh, Adachi... Uh, when you go to his social link you know there are people who are like trying to reach out to him and you know trying to be his friend but he spends a lot of his time kind of like dodging dodging them he doesn't really want to get to know people he just wants to kind of stay by himself and so that kind of that kind of attitude kind of led to a you know more of a darker timeline
0: some would say he's the reverse exactly uh yeah i I, that the the idea that the villain is the um inverted at the inverted hero or the shadow of the hero is a really common um, storytelling trope uh and i think we can't ignore the very real and overt presence of jungian psychology in this game they make it really really clear that the big ideas behind this game and the series in generally in general um that this series is inspired by Jungian psychology, and part of that is the fact that they have explicit shadows and shadow aspects of people, uh, and that their that their conscious that their consciousness does not want to be aware of, and is is aware of, but it actually is this inverted irrational side to people that they don't want to know and we we deal with that every time we rescue somebody from the tv right when somebody gets their persona they have to face their shadow self but who's who's the one character in this story that has a persona that does not face their shadow selves narukami right yep He just gets, he just, you know, he sees a bunch of enemies and and it's time for combat, and so there you go. He's got a persona. And you can say, well, that's just the game, that's just the the Velvet Room magic, but uh, I don't think that it, when dealing with magic, when understanding magic in the context of storytelling, I think that it's really, 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 really critical to understand that good magic has rules, and sometimes the rules aren't, Look, seem like they're broken, but they might be thematically followed, right? Brandon Sanderson talks about this a lot when he talks about writing. He talks about the importance of creating rules for magic. And if the rules of having a persona dictate that you have to talk to and confront your shadow self, uh, Yu Narakami should, if the story is written what, with, with a good magic system, follow that. And I think it doesn't follow that in the same way uh, that the other party members do, but I think that the entire narrative of the game is Yu's version of facing his shadow self, because as you pointed out, Adachi is definitely the reverse flash of uh, Yu Narakami. He comes to Inaba from outside and he adopts an anti-social set of behavior and attitudes and suffers the consequences of doing that, the damage that he does to his own psyche. Uh, and yu narakami has to see that for what it is and just like Chie has to see shadow Chie for what it is and and uh, uh yukiko has to see shadow yukiko for what what she is they have to synthesize that and yu narakami at the end is absolutely dealing with a version of himself uh that is Would i i assume if the character were more fleshed out and specifically written would have caused him a lot of internal problem, a lot of internal anxiety that would that would be my guess what do you think of that reading
1: i think that's really insightful and really cool because i didn't really consider that fighting adachi is kind of symbolically you fighting his own shadow
0: yeah and so i mean everyone just i mean everyone has these these internal internal issues and and that's what that's what's really cool about the big theme of this game. Like, I, I think that, but this game, this game is all about the. I'm gonna I'm gonna start using uh, s- s- some advanced terminology here. I guess I think, you know I don't think of it that way, but I, terminology listeners might not be familiar with, so I'm gonna have to explain this as I go along. But I think that Persona Four is about the dialectic of desire, and so dialectic means uh, things that are uh, that uh, it implies a duality. It has something that Exists, and its opposite, and then the interrelationship between the thing that exists and the thing that is opposing it create a new kind of thing in the process. So, uh, the 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 hundred level philosophy version of this concept, uh, which is I think still think the best way to think about it, is you have thesis, you have an idea, you have an antithesis, which is the opposite of that idea or the opposing way of thinking about that idea and their relationship within each other creates a synthesis that is the combination of those two ideas that bring out something new and that then becomes a new thesis that faces another antithesis and so the history of ideas goes forward in a circular motion, but for but still sort of downhill. I like to talk about it as a snowball that's rolling down the mountain, and every time it does a, a a revolution, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is, I think, the relationship that the Persona 4 characters have with desire. And I think that's kind of a big theme in the whole series, but I think it's a, I think desire is especially the issue that we have to face in persona 4 specifically um and of course adachi's desires can never be fulfilled because what he wants is something that as a human being he can't really be fulfilled by which is to be left alone and to see people as objects because you know when you see people in a psychopathic way when you see people as objects he's not really being enriched he's not really dealing with He's not facing the antithesis of who he is and becoming a better person. Either side, he has halted that dialectical progression uh, by not understanding the nature of his own desires, and that becomes twisted and antagonistic to this to the arc of the rest of the characters, which is about facing your. You know, there's lots of they specifically say in the songs and stuff about like this, about facing your true self and uh, and all that. And if you remember the dialogue options from when the early characters are finding their persona you, you, you can say something that's reassuring to them and you have three options usually it's something like oh you're okay don't worry about it or it's everyone's like this or you can say yeah that's true too you know you are insecure about how you feel about your relationship to your friends you are insecure about your relationship to your masculinity and how society sees you and you know what that's you too right? And that is the st- I think that's the choice that the game developers want you to make, because that seems to be the most in tune with the theme of the game, of creating and synthesizing a new kind of emotional adjustment to dealing with unpleasant desires. Because some of the desires we want are good, and some of the desires are unpleasant. And instead of rejecting desire, like some people argue, the Persona 4 characters internalize those desires and convert them into something that is positive.
1: Very cool. <clears throat> Alright. So, um, do you think we have a pretty good picture of Adachi now? Uh,
0: well, you know, I mean he, he doesn't, he has a persona but he doesn't, we don't fight that persona because his persona is it's it's a, it's a different name for it's, it's, it's an Izanagi but it's not um, uh, Mangetsu some... Izanami, I think I- Izanagi, yeah.
1: yeah,
0: something like that. I a couple of the late game Japanese, you know, the Shinto names are are escaping me a little bit now. Uh, yeah, but it's it's definitely a, a shadow version of your own, your own persona, which probably might be a good way to talk about Izanagi as a character, as as the as the husband of Izanami, who is trying to calm his wife down probably in a cosmic sense right like perhaps Persona 4 is better interpreted as a a, a, a cosmic domestic dispute with, between these two Shinto deities <laughs> and the husband's like please calm down we don't have to destroy everything uh in order to satiate your curiosity about uh about human beings uh, and he he places himself in opposition to his wife, but only I think to have her see at the very end that everything's going to be okay because she congratulates you at the end of. I guess we're jumping ahead a little bit to Izanami, uh, but she congratulates you. It's it's so much, it's it's a little bit like you've won a debate with her as opposed to actually defeating her in the sense that she's vanquished and gone from existence, the way you might be in other storytelling, you know, other kinds of storytelling.
1: That's true. And, yeah, Izanagi, I mean, in all folklore, uh, is the husband of Izanami. And they even go over that, like, uh, if you listen to the background in class one day, I believe when they're on the uh, the school field trip to, uh, to the school in the city, uh, they do talk a little bit about it and say that Izanagi is the husband of Izanami. Uh, and yet, it kind of seemed to me that... Um, you know, in the game, that Izanagi was a creation of Izanami, because she was, he was, you know, input uh, in you, just like the other, just like the two sigiri were put in Adachi and Namatame. So, I guess I want to know what the implications of that are, like, Well, I think
0: it goes back to. I think it even. I think it's it's even more doubling down on the. This is a story about people's internal struggles and changes, right? If if we consider this the story of Izanagi's internal development, then this is about her creating a space to confront physically and psychologically um, her own insecurities and 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 negative and negative internal impulses and how she can reconcile those different you know those different aspects of herself right like if you're a cosmic being right and you are completely outside of space and time but you're not a perfect being you're not a you're not you're not the the you're not the god god right you you have you have an identity and you have a history and you have an internal internal struggles perhaps you would uh want a theater in which to uh play that out in the same way that perhaps a a human writer might write or create a piece of art about their own internal struggles perhaps a a godlike being gets human beings (laughs) gets human beings and and whatever the hell teddy is uh to act out their own little story you know i mean and that yeah, it's it, it's it's this idea that perhaps we are the fictional characters in somebody else's story, and we act the way we act because it is part of the healing process for something that is much much bigger, right? Like what would you what would you tell a fictional character that was real that their the entire basis for their existence is to 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 be objectified and fulfilled by somebody else? Uh, I think that would be a little bit troubling but perhaps that's a little bit what's going on at least at least for the duration of the story in Persona 4 I don't think that after the credits roll in your true ending that Chie and Yukiko and you and Namatame are still the puppets of Izanami so it's not like they were created by Izanami for this purpose but they were certainly used like I think it's a little bit like 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 a puppet theater for her own uh immortal immortal psyche. That's how I would interpret that. I, I don't know how, how you feel about that, though. No,
1: it makes sense. A little complicated, but it still makes sense. <clears throat> Alright, so... As far as Izen, Izanami's motives, she says uh, in the dialogue, repeatedly, that she's just fulfilling the will of mankind. And when you consider it that way, like, if this is what, you know, a vast majority of human beings want is she really a villain
0: well i think this i don't i don't think that giving people what they want is doing right by them (laughs) if we gave people what they want i don't think that that is the same thing as doing right by them because sometimes people want things that they don't really understand that they want i mean the idea that you should be careful what you wish for is a trope in human storytelling because we or at least at a big, at a at, a, at like a big level, some part of our collective unconscious is aware of the idea that sometimes we have a, a horizon on our understanding of the implications of our desires, and when we finally get there, we might realize that those desires have unintended consequences. So, giving people what they want, people's desire for a breakdown of human individuation and a lack of conflict uh, is often. I mean, I think the human beings specifically have a really, really hard time mistaking the what, what's, what's proverbially called the forest for the trees. Uh, we very often point to symptoms of problems and treat them as problems themselves, and have a much, much, much harder time letting our consciousness understand systemic problems. I mean, I, I guess. I'm speaking about this as somebody who puts a hell of a lot of stock in systemic interpretation of society. Uh, that's that's what I specialized in in college and stuff. So, like, if that's not true, then my my whole life is meaningless. <laughs> 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 but I'm going to double. Down, but I don't think so because I'm because I think I'm right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on on that idea that. Uh, uh, sometimes seeing people don't know what they really want, and giving people what they ask for is not really good stewardship, uh, befitting a god, a godlike being. And people, and and to take the take the godlike being out of this, you know, let's let's make Izanami an entirely um, symbolic uh, uh, character for a moment, like no, no fog actually literally destroying the world for a little bit. I think you know, you know, if that's what people really want, you know, we, we want that, we want that thesis. We want that lack of conflict, uh, but we don't want to have to face the fact that we we get a lot out of dealing with a, the antithesis, right? We When we deal with, with if we're all walking little theses and we never encounter something that challenges us that makes us feel uncomfortable, we're never going to grow and this is like a really common thing in storytelling in general but i i kind of feel like i see it a lot in like japanese storytelling specifically like anime right now as i'm talking about this i really remember very clearly i forget which sailor moon movie this is but this is one of them i think it's sailor moon R, the movie it's the movie where the 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 sailor scouts are fighting a evil ice queen and the Ice Queen wants to freeze the world. And uh, Serena slash Usagi gives this really specifically uh, in-tune speech to her at the end, to be to the villain, about how freezing humanity is not going to actually make them happier because you're misunderstanding what makes people happy. People have a dialectical relationship to pain and suffering that actually enables their personal development to get to higher levels of appreciation and happiness and even though this villain might have really specifically good intentions uh... that's not what people really really need versus what they want sometimes people can have what Sartre called bad faith or what you know various marxists have called you know false consciousness Um, i don't think that the writer for Sailor Moon was thinking about uh, German philosophy but I think that collectively the unconsciousness of most l- people listening are and I, I suspect that that's something that's specifically around in this Japanese storytelling, like the zeitgeist of J- of Japan, post-war Japan but I don't have a whole lot more to really ground that assertion but that is an observation that I'd have about that. Do you feel like you've seen, do you feel like this is a similar story? Like do you feel like You've played this story before, or seen it in other media, or specifically in Japanese media, or am I not seeing it? Right, seeing it right? No, you're I right. I, a don't, pattern that I don't exist? see it a
1: whole lot in Japanese stories. Um, at least none come to mind. I never saw Sailor. Well, that's just because I'm such a big old weeaboo. All I watch <laughs> is anime. <laughs> so I could um, be
0: coloring my my perception of this.
1: But yeah, I definitely see it a lot in American storytelling or Western storytelling. Um, so you're saying that you know maybe even if it is what humans want which I don't think it's what humans want in the real world but let's let's say for argument's sake that that's what they want in the world of Persona 4 Uh, do you think that so you're saying that in the end it's not really what's going to make them happy
0: no no I, I don't think that I don't think that happy I don't think that happiness as a concept is something that you achieve and say stay at uh, happiness is totally a process. Happiness is absolutely the journey and not the destination. The process of becoming happy is happiness, and once you arrive at happiness, you have to keep moving on. Right? That's I mean, that, and that's getting into kind of Buddhist territory a little bit, where you, where you know, you have to re-understand that your desires uh, are what's really holding you back, and you're stuck in this specific cycle of life and death and rebirth and life again and learning lessons, yeah. You know, the, the cycle that's called samsara. You can think of that as a literal death and rebirth in a religious sense, or you can think about it in a, in a, in a way that's more to do with the story of humanity and the, the personal development of human beings and how they become better people or how you attain, you know, wisdom and change and become better. I don't think human beings can become better by stopping the clock. Of history or time and so we know that and so we have this other better nature you know i think the, in a lot of ways the the investigation crew are kind of like the super ego yelling at the id of the people in en- of, of the persona four people in enaba at the end of the game where they sort of assert now this is really what we want we when we say we want to be completely done with individuation, we don't know what we're saying, and we need to keep things the way they are. Uh, that that seems to me more what is happening at the end of Persona Four. Um, you know, it's a lot more about our unconscious desires, you know, as a collective unconscious as, as a society, than how you know our the, the media uh, uh, cre- you know, sort of creates images of what we could be. You know, because part of this is that th- notice how the false Shadow people, the you know, the, the false. I I would not go as far as to say that Shadow Risei and Shadow Kanji or whatever are false, but the TV world is is I think it's not a mistake that the TV world is a television in this game and not something else like in previous games. This is the only game with television as the motif. In other Persona games, you're you have different ways of entering dungeons and dealing with that uh, the, that that magic system uh, because we see uh in in television or in media a kind of weirdly hyper unreal version of ourselves and so that is reflected back to us and and makes us feel even more alienated from ourselves um yeah
1: yeah i see
0: do i sound like i'm on drugs or is this totally like
1: (laughs) no you were doing really well till the very end there (laughs) Um, alright. Well, one thing I've kind of uh, been curious about, and I would like to get your opinion on this as well. Like, let's say Izanami succeeded. Let's say she, in the end, she banishes our heroes, and the world is in fact covered with fog. How do you think a world like that would look? Because I don't think it just, it would, um transform people into mindless shadows. I think it would make it so that people would be able to show their true selves and you know basically wear their uh shadows on the outside more easily. So what would that kind of world look like?
0: Well, I I think that I think that world looks like um I think that world looks like a really stagnant place where everybody is unable to heal emotionally. Um, taking away the supernatural element of it a little bit, I think in a world where human psychological development basically is halted, and we live in this protracted state of uh, in a, 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 of, of showing our 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 subconscious, where, where we live out where we live our where our shadows are on the outside and our personas are on the inside I think that that's a world that can't hold society together I think that people's relationships would completely break down um, because part of what makes you a person is what you choose not to say and part of the mistake I think that Izanami or people who would want this are making is that they're misunderstanding that what they really want isn't what they really are and want isn't what they want deep down it's what they actually do you ever heard somebody say something to you like I've heard this from a couple of different people oh well when you're drunk that's the real you coming out well you said it, you're drunk so you must mean it um, I have never been on the other side of this I've never been accused of saying something bad while I was drunk thankfully but uh, I've heard this a lot and I, I disagree as an, as an analogy I, I disagree with that because part of what makes a person themselves is their self-control and their decision you know what you don't say in a situation is just as important as what you do say and all alcohol does is take away people's inhibitions and so they're in a weird way they're kind of acting out their shadow cells but they're acting out an exaggerated version of themselves in the present moment at any given time uh... that's not really them That's not the that I would disagree with the idea that that's the real them and drunk people don't learn anything. (laughs) Drunk people don't have personal psychological development. Not to get too specific in like any of our lives, but I have heard drunk people who have drinking problems say things about themselves that are true that would if they implemented those truths that would make them better people and the next morning there has been no change because they're not in a state of mind that allows them to really move on because that wasn't the real them that's just an exaggeration of one aspect of themselves so the world back to the question you asked like i think that world is just a protracted period of people not so much acting drunk but being but suffering the same kind of inhibition that drunkenness brings which is the fact that you can't really move on psychologically and develop deeper relationships. And if you can't develop develop deeper relationships, I think that people are going to just kind of society would just kind of fall apart. I don't think we would have like at a really deep level too. I I think people would familiar like families themselves would just kind of fall apart, much less the government and companies and schools and other institutions.
1: For sure. So In other words it would become a pretty terrible world so do you think that izanami would come back again and then change it all back once she sees that mankind's collective you know wish is oh dear god not this never
0: mind I I kind of don't think that izanami is as well developed enough character to answer that question (laughs) I, I that's a cool question I can't think of a... I don't have a, a good response to that because I don't think Izanami is as well-fleshed-out enough character to really justify that kind of answer. I don't think the story set up for what would Izanami do if she had to like redo it over. I don't think there's anything established in her character that would lead us to believe she would even think about humanity after that. She might go off to do something else completely different because she's a god. Mm-hmm. But maybe, yeah. I mean, I suppose you could have a weird... You know, Persona 4 2 alternate universe takes place in the world where one of the endings where, where Izanami wins and, and we have the character... I mean, that's kind of... I haven't played Persona 2 Part 2, but my understanding is that's the way that game works, is that you beat the game in Persona 2 and then Persona 2 uh, Eternal Punishment exists as a weird... Time traveling, alternate universe type story that relates to how that the the big the cosmological implications of that ending, right? And Persona, so the Persona series has actually tread tread on this ground before. I can't really speak in a lot more depth to that because I have not played Persona Two, uh, Innocent Sin or Eternal Punishment. Uh, I want to though, and we should because that would be super fun. But everyone knows but everyone knows that Persona 4 2 is Persona 4 Arena, so <laughs> that's the that's the real Persona 4 2. Persona 4 Arena, which is a fun game.
1: Yeah, it's
0: It's weird, but it's fun.
1: Yeah, I really want to play it. Like I, I only learned of its existence uh, not too long ago. Well actually I only learned about Persona 4 not too long ago.
0: Well you but, need a PlayStation 3 to play those games. Yeah. How did you play Catherine? Oh no, it's on Xbox, yeah. right?
1: Catherine's on Xbox 360. Is, I, is I Arena? Just,
0: I just kind of assume that Atlas games are PlayStation exclusives these days. Um, but I could be wrong about that. You should just, I guess, Google it. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'll do that.
0: They're fun fighting games, but I mean Part of me almost suggests you should save your money and watch the watch it on YouTube <laughs> because it's a it's a fighting game story. The gameplay is literally a fighting game, so if you don't care about the fighting game and you're just going to press X in between the fights at the dialogue, you could maybe save yourself some money. (laughs) Watch it on YouTube.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Um, But if you like fighting games, I mean, it's made by Arc System Works. It's made by the people who made BlazBlue, so it's not a bad fighting game. It's just a crazy anime fighter where lots of things happen all the time, and I am not nearly a smart enough person to to play those games very well.
1: All right, well that's good to know. So shall we uh, wrap up this conversation with the uh, uh, with the real debate?
0: The most important debate. Yes. That we have the the, the most important question that has never been asked. That has been <laughs> asked. That has been asked by by many by many people uh, since 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 time immemorial is who is. Best girl in this game. So, Clay, who do you think? Who are you? Who's all right? I think the best way to handle this is let's get out of the way. Who is not best girl? Like who's out of the running, right out the gate, not not best girl? Because I don't think there are very many bad characters in this game, but I, I do want to like. I have a, I have an idea here. Uh, who do you think is absolutely not going to be best girl?
1: Well, um. Probably most, if not all, of the non-main girl cast, uh, uh, such as uh, Yumi or uh, I. I didn't care much for I. Sorry for if there are any I fans in the audience, but I is uh, I was not my favorite.
0: Uh, I think I has a better arc than Yumi, but Yumi is like way more sympathetic than I. Like it's easier to love Yumi, yeah, because of all the terrible things that happened to her. Whereas I is a little bit more of a I think her arc is I think she is I think she just makes a more interesting story. But yeah, I see what you're, I I, but I would agree. Like I don't I wasn't even really thinking about those social link girls, but it's important to bring that up too. Oh, well, I have one. Um I don't think Marie is best girl. Oh. <laughs> um she's just not. Yeah. I... Uh we we did talk about this character already. So, and we kind of basically made this case. <laughs> I think last time we talked about it, but Yeah, we did. Um I'm not super into her social link. I don't think she's very well integrated into the story. They try. They're not bad at it, but like they're not as good at it as they are with the rest of the cast because so, in her social link, you do see she, find, she meets the other characters. Um, and if they didn't do that, she would literally never interact with anybody else aside from you and whoever's around. And I just don't think she's as well utilized in the story to justify her being best girl like even in the running
1: i agree so the finalist comes down to the four main girls which are chie yukiko risei and naoto and i have to say that i think risei is my favorite but objectively i think i have to give it to naoto
0: i see you're one of those people.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm afraid so.
0: I thought we were friends. <laughs> all right,
1: thank you all for tuning in to our first and last episode. Bye. Fuck you. <laughs> no,
0: I no, she's a. I mean, there's no, no, that's good because she's a great character. Not as an amazing character. Like this is the one of the. This is one of the hardest discussions. This is also the stupidest discussion, and we have abandoned all pretense of. Of 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 being a of being a dumb pseudo pseudo intellectual uh, 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 discussion about <laughs> about a about a video game that we were just engaged in ten minutes ago, which is fine because Nanto is an amazing. I think Nanto is an amazing character, and the way that she is presented in this story is really really interesting. And she reminds me of my favorite. My I, she reminds me of Persona 5's best girl, but I think that oh clay i don't know what to believe what's your case so what's your case for 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 naoto as being better like why do you like Risei more but want to pick naoto like what what's making you what's pulling your your heart or your head in that direction that's supposed to your heart
1: all right well what i like about Risei is that she's just so nice so sweet so you know fun and fun to be around and perky and just likes you so much you know just right off the bat And I think, you know, the sprite where she's smiling, I think that's prettier than any of the other girls. Just, she has the best smile. Um, And, you know, on top of that, she's an idol. And, obviously, uh, very popular. (laughs) So it's kind of a... But, ultimately... I think when you take into consideration all the things that are desirable about any one human being, uh, such as, let's go with intelligence, uh, passion, uh, capacity to love, I would have to, I would have to give it to Naoto.
0: So, do you don't, alright, so just to, 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 not so much to back Riese over Nauto, but to, like, to push back on the heuristic you used to make this decision, like... Do you not think that sometimes people's attributes can be greater than the sum total of their parts? Do you think that it's possible for some, you you know, or do you think that that's always an irrational response to say, well, I can, I can, if I gave everyone points, Naoto would have the most points at the end of the game, but I really love Yukiko or Risei for you know, in reasons that create that when combined, you know, they actually are g- greater value together than they are separately. Right. Cause when you're adding somebody's attributes, there's this assumption that all those attributes are equally weighted, uh, and that they just add up in, you know, in any order, right? Like your addition problem, five plus nine and four plus four plus, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> five plus four and four plus five are the same thing. Right. Uh, and I, th- does that axiom hold true when you're evaluating something like who is best girl? Is what I'm gonna push back on. Do you think it's better to go with who makes your heart sore at the end of the game? Who who would you cry over more if they died?
1: You make a good point. I mean, I'm I am not telling you, to... Naoto's wrong. It, see... I'm not
0: telling you Nauto's the wrong answer to that. I'm thinking about the way you structured your your reasoning.
1: Yeah, I mean. And can you even call it reasoning, really? Like, I'm trying to apply logic to a completely illogical question of who's best girl. Um, Welcome to my so life,
0: dude. Welcome to every day. Yeah,
1: so uh, that's, that's kind of what I was just putting forth. Um, and yeah, I guess I do value some attributes more than others, as everyone else does. Uh, but still, I think... For me, when you add up all the attributes and everything, To comes up front.
0: This just in Clay is a robot, confirmed. Okay. <laughs> no, that's good. We love robots. Yeah, if you cool. love robots, if you love robots, dude, you're going to love Persona 3. <laughs> Holy shit. You're going to love you some robots. I cannot actually now I now that I thought that just occurred to me, I cannot wait for you to play that game. Mm. Um uh, I'll shut up about it though. You should just—you'll play it and find oh, out. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I'm gonna play every game in this series.
0: Yeah, I, I have made time for—I haven't made time for one and two. Well, one, two, and two, two. Like there's two twos. There's actually Persona, Persona Five is actually the sixth Persona game. Um, Persona Four is actually the fifth. There's two. Persona Two kind of has like a Final Fantasy X-2 kind of situation going on a little bit, but. Only it's much better. Yeah, I was about
1: to say, don't compare Persona to 10-2, man.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that was that was mean of me. That was I wasn't even thinking about the quality. I was just thinking about a a series that normally has completely unconnected or loosely unconnected games having a direct sequel. But yeah, um, I haven't really messed with the earlier games that much. Part of it is that they're not very well accessible. Um, you can't really play Eternal Punishment the way it was meant to be played. Uh, and so what I've done is I've gone into the other avenues of the SMT series and played like Nocturne, uh, which was a really cool game. Which is way more gameplay, battle system focused game than a story game. It's not a it's, it's an SMT game. It's not a Persona game. But um, yeah, I, I I I guess I should put forward somebody who I think is best girl. And man, it's it's for me. It really is. Uh, I have the same dilemma you have between Naoto and Risei that I have between Yukiko and Chie. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, when I think... Alright, so if this were a Rorschach test and someone s- gave me a Rorschach like inkblot of Chie and said, what comes to your mind, I would say Best Girl. However, when I played through the first time uh, Yukiko, I maxed out her social link first. Um, and uh, Yukiko reminds me of real life people who I love a lot. And I, I, I almost once you kind of once you see other once you see other people you know in real life in and, and, and this kind of a game, it makes making an objective decision very, 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 very hard. Uh, because I do see a little bit of my wife in Yukiko a little bit, not like in every way, but in some ways and it's like Yukiko is, I feel like Chie is like going and having a burger and fries and a shake and going to the, 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 the amusement park, right and uh, Yukiko is having tea at home and watching uh, you, know, a re- you know watching The Office on Netflix for the third time, and which of those things do I like more? Well, I like drinking tea and watching The Office, so you could go as best girl. Oh, I've made a decision. (laughs) Oh my God, no, Che, no, I can't handle this. My heart can't handle it. I I have much. I have much stronger opinions about Persona Five characters uh, than I, you know. Like I I find this is a much easier decision uh, for Five and like Three than it is for um, Four for whatever reason. I just think that. The four Well, the four I mean, look... Trying to do the big picture on, like... I think this... The, what makes the, four, the Persona forecast really interesting is that... I think they're really well-written teenagers, uh, specifically. Because they have teenager problems. And we're, like, about to be 30. And so, in some ways, when I play games and watch movies and anime... I am more often than not sympathizing with the teachers and the adults... In these kinds of situations. Uh... But not in this game. Um, It reminds me of what it's like to be in that position in your life and to have the very real self-actualization problems that you have then. Uh, And I think that that puts the Persona forecast in a very specific kind of thematic light that I don't think applies to the other games in this series. And it, it doesn't really apply to many other JRPGs in general. Can you think of another JRPG that has... Characters that like, undergo those same kinds of themes, you know, those same yeah you know, that that kind of well grounded teenager like coming of age stuff that's not connected to uh, the supernatural as an allegory, but like they actually decide what high school they're going to go to as part of the story, uh, or college,
1: just like that. Uh, no, well, where you were starting to go go with that, I was kind of starting to think maybe V D from FF9 because he developed so much throughout that whole story uh but he uh he doesn't really have uh the kind of problems of uh which high school or which college is he's going to go to uh well
0: that's a good comp- well, that's a good point of comparison though because he does have the same kinds of problems you're you're right Because i did switch a little bit i did switch gears and became became a lot more grounded uh but yes more sp- but on uh, a more sp- sort of a spiritual level right like i think that vivi's a good a good comparison there he would his if you if you took Vivi's lines and put them in a kid a, a sixteen year old in Inaba, you'd probably do okay. So the best. So we have two best girls. Uh, how are we gonna decide this? Are we gonna fight each other? Is that what is that how they thought of Persona Five Arena? Well, how do we decide who's best character? I don't know. Make a fighting game.
1: Yeah, let's uh, oh, let's just both get the fighting game, and can you do multiplayer on there?
0: Uh, I have I have all the fighting games. I have all the spinoff games except for Dancing All Night, which I want to get, but know that it will be a waste of my time because I have so many other things to do. But at the same time, the more I see footage of it, the more I'm like, yes, this is what I need. All right. I'm afraid it would su- I'm afraid it would suck me in. I'm afraid, I'm afraid dance- Dancing All Night would totally completely suck my brain out of my body, uh, and I would just be dancing all night for a week.
1: All right, so I guess we'll uh, I'll play Nauto and uh you can play Yukiko in the fighting game and we'll see who comes out on top.
0: Cool. Well, maybe we'll add that as a we'll upload to a YouTube video. Uh it's funny because like there's more stuff we could talk about with this game. Oh man, um, yeah. I really cause we could we didn't really do a whole lot Like, I have a question I wrote down here for you. Like, what do you think of the... What do you, as an RPG... Like, as an avid RPG gamer... Like, just lightning around to the end here. Like, the equipment system being so simple. Like, I can't think of a simpler... Like, this is like Babby's first RPG level of simple. Like, Pokemon is more complicated with the... Well, maybe not. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is really simple. It doesn't bug me at all. In fact... It's one less thing for me to worry about so I can focus on the other game mechanics that are more important and unique to the series, like the social links. But I just kind of wondered what you thought about the equipment system being so simple.
1: Uh, Personally, I liked it. I liked that it was just weapon and armor. It just, it was very simple, and I realize a lot of people don't really like that, but, and if it were just that, then yeah, I might not like it. But the battle system is so much more than just that. So I delved in really deeply to the, uh, fusing personas thing. Uh, in fact, in between our, uh, number one, uh, our part one of this, uh, uh, of this conversation and part two, in between now and then, I actually got all the personas. I got 100% of them.
0: Fucking uh, good job.
1: <laughs> and, cool. And, you know, if you're not happy with just the equipment portion of it, just remember, there is a whole... that That's only like, I'd say 25% of the battle system. Throw yourself into the uh, fusing of personas and learning all of the different abilities and moves because that's where that's where it becomes more... That's where it's more tactical. That's where it's more fun, at least for me.
0: There's a hell of a lot more to talk about, but I think that we have spent enough time on this now. Um, for the next time, what game do you want to play? Like, What do you want to play next? Uh, I believe there was men- not an RPG not an RPG uh, alright um, hmm. you get to pick <laughs> what? my suggestion if I could make a suggestion uh, my suggestion is Donkey Kong 64 but uh, since I more or less picked this one because I'm the one that suggested it to you before the podcast even was an idea uh, we'll, let, we'll let Clay pick
1: alright everybody wait on the edge of your seats yeah, Donkey Kong 64 Like pick now, pick pick, pick pick now, pick now. <laughs>
0: you really want to do DK sixty four? I love
1: Donkey Kong sixty four.
0: Okay, yeah, no, that I think, yeah, I, I, that game can't be long, right? Like I can beat that game in 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 a couple days, right? Like, uh,
1: yeah, I, I think you know as long as you're not doing it like at a hundred percent, like I am, you should be able to beat it. I would say probably in thirty hours, maybe less.
0: Wow, that's a lot more than I thought, but that's fine. Yeah, we can do that. Alright, cool. DK64. Tune in next time uh, in the near future for, Donkey, for a discussion of Donkey Kong 64. We may have another person join us, depending on what his schedule's like. So, Maybe Izanagi's telling him that he's tired after being in the TV world and he's go to sleep. How's that? I said maybe maybe Izanagi's the one who's telling him he needs to go to sleep at night.
1: Hmm.
0: When when you've been up, wow that that joke just just belly flopped. Wow, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. No, that was a joke and like it just landed like a like a train wreck. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever bombed that bad. Jeez. Okay. Cool. We'll edit the hell out of that. That's not going <laughs> on record. Uh no well way. since we're, uh, since we're in the I'm, funny, of- I'm funny. I'm <laughs> funny and I will destroy any evidence to the contrary.
1: Um, since we um, uh, since we're editing this part out anyway, what, what was the joke? Explain that to me.
0: It, you were talking about how Izanagi doesn't talk to you, right? And you get to ha- retain his sort of personal autonomy. And I said, well, what if it's Izanagi that's telling you he needs to go to bed at night because he was up all oh. night uh, playing... You know, like, you want to study after you're in the TV world? But, like, hey, you're too tired. What are you going to do? Like, what if that guy was Izanagi the whole time? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That, that's the joke. But, you yeah. know, it's 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 just... It didn't work. It was, I was wrong. <laughs> it's not funny, clearly. Because... Okay. Uh, it's just not, you know, it, it, that's more, it, it, th- that joke would work better in Persona 5 anyway. So I, I, I that's, yeah, okay, fine, yeah.